0: biggest keys for success, and this is just speaking straight from the heart, no script here, one of the most important key aspects of success in any sort of creative or entrepreneurial pursuit, if you want that success to be beyond the value that you alone derive from the creative process, if you want to create impact in the world where others, you want to entertain, inspire, uh, connect, anything that goes beyond just you, the creator, if you want that to happen, then the number one most overlooked thing in that area of having impact is how to create a community around you and what you do. Now, building a a community, an audience, whatever word you want to use here a group that loves what you do. I don't care. This is not about building a billion followers. This is, it could be 10 or 20 people. It could be a thousand. It could be a hundred thousand. It could be on social. It could be in an email. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about if you want to create success for yourself, anything beyond just the, the, the value that you get in creating, then cultivating a community is critical. And you know what? All this community building has to happen before, during, and after you've created your thing, the website, the piece of art, the performance, the product, the app, the website, whatever. Community building runs in parallel to this. And again, this is one of the most important, I would call it secrets, that most people whiff on in trying to get a new business venture or trying to get a new project out there. If you've ever spent time, even if it was just preparing a presentation for work, and you you anguished over it, you polished it, and you put it out there in the world, and then crickets. And then someone next to you, your your uh, you know someone who shares an office with you, they did the same thing, and their plan was received so well. Or again, whether you're a photographer or designer or an entrepreneur, putting products out there in the world, and it's just falling on deaf ears. This is especially important for you to pay attention to. What we are covering today, again, this is um the fourth step in my four-step creative process that i write about in creative calling again the first step is imagine what we want to build be do or become part two is d design a plan to, to get there part three is e execute that plan and we are now in the amplify this is the community building how to make your dreams come true because despite what you think even if it's a solo songwriter standing on stage it takes a village and this is about how to build that village we cover three key topics in today's episode. Uh, topic one: How to find your people. Who is your tribe? Who are your people? We need community. We're social animals. How do you find them? How do you connect with them? We are not exempt from this just because we've got this um, this idea of the lone creative crusader. That is not what it takes to make your dreams come true. Part two, thing two, rather is how to build an audience. There is a huge amount of effort that that anyone who has created success for themselves has put in that you have not seen. I'm going to show you what that part, what that 50% of their effort looks like and how you can do it. And then the third topic is how to actually put something out in the world, how to keep a long-term view and how to show up every time over and over and over for our work. And in doing so, that we make it easier for ourselves the subsequent time. And so the people who are creating a lot of success for themselves, Chances are they've shown up over and over and over again, and you can too. So uh, I want to get out of the way, but I also want to remind you that there is a huge part of this episode where we take questions from a worldwide audience, and um, I just find this section so valuable, valuable, even if you just fast forward to the questions and you didn't listen to me, you know, preach and chant and chant, I mean, rant um, for, you know, an hour That this section of Q and A is expressly valuable again because I believe community is the most misunderstood part of creating success in any creative or entrepreneurial pursuit. Um, So I I do think the whole thing is is very valuable, but especially interested in um, the Q and A part uh, where we take questions from a bunch of different industries and from people in a you know handful of different countries around the world. I was really excited and motivated and inspired by it, and I hope you will. If you have any questions, hit me up on all the socials. I'm here to uh, follow up. Hope you get a ton of value out of today's episode. Uh, And if you want to see the video version of this, it's never too late to sign up. It's for free. You can go to creative calling, sorry, creative live.com slash book club. None of this is required. You can pick up this episode. You don't have to have read the book, owned the book, watched any other episode. You're going to get a uh, bucket load of value out of today's episode so I'm gonna stop talking and turn it over to creative live for just a few seconds here and then we'll get into the show hey oh hey uh, new sponsor alert so this episode of Chase Jarvis live is brought to you by creative live and you all know yeah of course I am the founder of that company but I gotta just be straight up this is unequivocally no questions asked the best place in the world for creator and entrepreneurial education I mean Frankly, nothing even comes close, and it's the only one that's focused specifically on photography, design, video, art, music, craft, and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all those disciplines. It's where the best teachers in the world, that where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best go to teach. So of course I'm biased, but I, I just encourage you to check it out because Nothing else comes close, and you will be on your way to join millions of other folks in our creative community there learning from the world's top experts. OK, that's it. That's my soapbox. That is the commercial, and we'll hope to see you over Creative life. Now let's get back to the show. So I'm going to welcome you um, back to week five of six. In um, chipmunk land. No, nope, sorry. That's a joke for those who are in here in the real recording originally um, week five of six here six here in the creative calling book club and it's um, The week that is called amplify this is of the four-step process. This is the fourth step in the IDEA framework, this is the a which again stands for amplify Um, Why I chose the word amplify when I was writing the book versus just calling it community is not just because it fit with the handy acronym But there's this uh, a very clear biological mechanism by which humans um, Need to interact with other humans. We are hardwired for this stuff and What we are doing is when we are participating in a community participating something that's outside of us it requires us to connect with others, to amplify, to use our voice, to use the tools that we have to get our message out of our heads and our hearts into the world. Um, and it's, I believe, the most often misunderstood or under-understood aspect of the four-step process. And I believe it's ha- it is because it's in large part misunderstood or undervalued, um, I think is where a lot of people have a huge opportunity. Um, My experience in coaching thousands of people across this, uh, across Creative Live and my podcast and whatnot, and just getting off stages and seeing folks, you know, eyeball to eyeball is, that's part of what makes this exciting to me is because I believe it's an area that is Right for you to take steps to improve. So hopefully you've done the reading Um, And just a quick recap for those of you who are watching the live broadcast either on facebook or youtube or twitter or an instagram live um, This the folks that are in the zoom call are in that call because they have uh, subscribed to my text uh, relationship, which is Super simple. It's actually me and my thumbs on the other end of that thing Um, Although I did figure out how to connect to a keyboard so I can type even a little bit faster. Um, But what they did is they texted 206-309-5177. So if you haven't done that um, and you want to be in the Zoom call where I have a chance to call on you, that's great. We take the first 50 people who sign up. So um, last week was execute. I'm hoping to go to the phones here for a second and uh, share, if you would, what you put into action last week any one or two things that you did to um, kick your butt into gear for a regular practice for doing. So I want to know that, Hey, this week, I got up every morning at, at six o'clock and went for a rock went for a walk and then journaled. I want to know that um, you had a session plan where you went on a photo walk every day for 30 minutes at lunch, or you um spent some time coding on a minimum viable product for the app that you're working on. I want to know uh, just one or two things that you did. And I want to hear from a handful of people. Of course, we're going to go into the Zoom call. Who is willing to volunteer? Is that Nancy? Was that a this? Nancy. Nancy sees in the house.
1: OK, uh, go for it.
2: Um, I think I told you that I'm trying to shift my photography to um focus on conservation, wildlife photography, and uh, I've been part of a group that of conservation photographers, but I joined a class, I committed to a class this week on specifically creating a pitch, creating your story, I mean, it's, you have to be accountable. We meet every Tuesday, and we have a discussion, and we share our ideas, and we we refine them. And it was a financial commitment, which I had been unwilling to make earlier, but I decided um, if this is the direction I want to go, I need to learn. So,
0: great, great. I love it. And uh, it's I understand the financial commitment. Things are you know maybe tough right now. They're tough for a lot of people, and there's anxiety. Um, just a reminder to do everything you can to structure the rest of your life. that that financial commitment doesn't hurt so much and it's often um a thing that we creatives creators or people identify this get derided for but the reality is that we're no worse with money uh in fact it's a we've been coached by the world to think often that we are not good good at money and by we like who's this we this idea that um creativity should be you know put on a back burner or is less valuable than so many other things. So, A, I want to congratulate you for making a financial commitment. Nice move. Sometimes that's very hard. B, I want to remind you to do everything you can to minimize your expenses early on in your journey so that you can afford time and space to learn. And then, C, I want to give you a massive high five for taking an action last week because it's the doing. Now, as a follow on, I just want to remind you that showing up at this class every Tuesday, I think you said it is is where value is. That is the consistent behavior that you're looking for. It's showing up, um, not just for your classmates, but for yourself. So shout out to Nancy on oh, two others real quick. Um, all right, we're gonna go to Fergus. Go ahead, Fergus, let us know what you did this week. Something that, uh, can you hear me? I can you sound great. Uh, you, sound like, don't like, you don't sound like a chipmunk, that's me. I, I get the chipmunk role here. Something that
3: I'm trying to do, I know, Chase, you've mentioned this before, is is you try to uh, create before you consume. And for me, I know I've got the habit of wanting to instantly jump on, uh, whether it's Instagram or Facebook first thing in the morning, those types of things. And I'm trying to hold myself back from a photography standpoint and have things that I want to post ready the night before. So when I get up in the morning, if I have that urge, I try to post something. Maybe it's on Instagram. Usually it's Instagram. Try to do that first before I start consuming the stuff that I'm seeing. So that's been a big challenge for me. It's a small one. It's a simple one. But trying to create before I consume is a fun challenge for me.
0: Well, kudos to you because that is also a huge step. Um, It's one of the things I love about stoic philosophy. It's one of the things that why I have a morning routine that doesn't involve that. Uh, specifically because it can do such a uh, disservice to our our plans and uh, if those of you who are unclear what Fergus is mentioning um, can creating before we consuming is a great way to not get sucked into the drama of everybody else's world of uh, comparison where we're looking at someone else's number of followers or likes or any of those things because creativity Is not instagram and the internet is not your judge and jury um and this idea of creating before you consume is something i learned from uh my friend marie forleo uh just that little nugget i've always advocated for it but i didn't have the 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 tight little phrase and it's um when we create first even if it's a halting imperfect first simple act we have done something. It's it's like a lot of you. I heard some other folks uh, in previous things. Uh, one of one of the your classmates said that she makes her bed first thing every morning. That's a little victory right there. And it's very simple. But there's some psychological studies that have been you know happened. That's one of the reasons the military do it. It's a little thing to accomplish. And then you revisit that at the end of the day. You show up and your bed is made. You might not appreciate it at that moment. You might be tired. But this is a sign of doing something. And every time you create before you consume. It's a little victory and in each of those little victories you learn to trust yourself and that trust creates momentum and we know what Momentum creates right it creates results. So thanks for sharing Fergus I'm gonna go for one other folk and then we will move right in there um, OJ Donovan JD Smith. I'm gonna unmute you my man. There you go. Love to hear from you. Uh, hello. Thank hello. you for taking me um, Since your book club, um, I, it takes a long time for me to read books, but it's usually because of in the evening I'll read a few, cha- a few pages and then I'll fall asleep. But I um, now have dedicated, allowed myself to read one hour every morning before I start my work. Wow. Um, so it's your book. Um, I've got Idea, mach- become an idea machine that I'm working on. And then also uh, uh, Lewis Howe's The School of Greatness. But it's now that I'm addicted. To reading, <laughs> creative books and all that. So, well, yep. this isn't this space that you just created for yourself—an hour right now. It's for reading, and you're consuming information. You're aligning. It sounds like while you are—that um, is an action, setting aside time to read and consume. Um, it, you, you, it that hour, the more you use that hour in service of your vision for yourself, whether it's reading or creating or um, working on your screenplay or you know signing up for the business license through the gov website Whatever it is you're starting to, You're starting a habit of Doing a thing in the morning and that that slot if you've reserved it and protected it can be useful Over time it can be used for a lot of different things. So I want to applaud you for carving at that time um, and for Becoming as you said an idea machine. I love that. That's a good one. I'm gonna borrow that one, but um, Also Just don't get too caught up in just the consuming of the material. Okay. I want to remember that you take action so you're not in that ID loop that that uh, Imagining what you want and then designing a plan and going back and like oh I get a new idea from Lewis and then I go back and do it again. So Rewarding you first for setting up setting aside the time. That's incredible and an hour is not insignificant What would you all I mean? An hour every day for your passion, for the thing that's your side hustle, for getting better, for improving yourself. An hour. And we think about that as a major commitment. Think of the other things. How many of you, show of hands here in the Zoom call, did a time audit? This was two weeks ago. Anybody disturbed by what they saw? (laughs) It's virtually a one-to-one. Oh, Lauren was not disturbed by what she saw when she audited. She must have rocked it. But most people, myself included, were extremely disturbed, disturbed by the time audit that we uh, perform on ourselves because we realize how fleeting and you know, whimsical we are with our time. So shout out to you JD for carving out an hour for yourself. Um, what I've found is that one hour leads to two, two hours lead to four. And if you ask Warren Buffett, he says, my, I'm not, uh, my calendar's not empty because I'm a billionaire i'm a billionaire because i've kept my my uh calendar empty empty for focusing on what he wants to do with his time and his life not letting his schedule be everybody else's all right um let's see here i want to do a read okay i often read at the beginning of all of these um and i want to have no exclusions so uh for this six-week process so in doing so i'm going to pull up my It's from page 224. Build a genuine audience that loves what you do, how you do it, and why. All this should happen before, during, and after you've created your new product, your new website, pieces of art, your performance, whatever. Community building runs parallel to your creative work and it requires the same degree of consistency. Feeling overwhelmed? Take a deep breath because patience is everything. You need to be in this for the long haul. So pace yourself, interlude here. Notice like what what Jason, JD went from nothing to an hour. He didn't go from nothing to six hours, nothing to an hour. And that's a major commitment. And then I said, you know, over time, it comes one, becomes two, becomes four. This is pacing yourself. This is being in this for the long haul. If you're wondering where successful creators found thriving communities, you were wondering the wrong thing. They didn't find communities, they built them. In fact, if you consider them successful, they've probably been building their communities for five years or more by now. This is true even if you're only just hearing of them. All runaway success creators seem as though they came out of nowhere, but they've always represented, that always represented years of careful effort on the part of the creator, their community, has known about them and their work much longer than the rest of us here in the mainstream have. The anticipation for their big launch has been building for ages. Their community was the lever that drove the mainstream success you're now witnessing. Creators create, first and foremost. But if they want someone else to care, you've got to lay the groundwork for future success while you are creating. All right. I don't think the, I think rather that that speaks for itself. Um, So I don't think we need to recap or linger. I want to first then turn our topics or next then turn our attention to one of three topics that we're going to cover today. The first one is finding your people. The second one is the act of actually building your audience. And the third one is launch. Um, One word about uh, finding your people again maybe i was talking like a chipmunk because my my audio settings were not correct at that point but i need to restate that we are creative animals and human connection is required if we do not hold a baby shortly after it is born and actually touch it hold on to it the baby will not survive this is not a nice to have human connection In All of its forms. This is not saying you need to be at the center of the party, but human connection is required and if our biology needs to touch it in some way imagine if we Don't cultivate it. We certainly can't then be maximizing the the biological ecological evolutionary lever that social connection has cultivated for us, right? We we so many things we, we fall in love with singer songwriters as they pour their heart, on, ha- heart out on stage, but it's It's not always clear how many people have come together in order to create that one song To be able to perform in front of you the audience whether it's on a live stream or in a In a previous world or a future world where we get to sit in the room and listen to that person perform So Where do we go from here? Our role is to do two things. One is to show up. And by showing up, I mean for yourself and for others. Now, showing up for others looks like this. I always say, be the fan you wish you had. Right now, and I know uh, the comment here, comment, um, the chat in the Zoom and the comments online that I'm seeing coming in from all the different channels, you right now have an opportunity to create and connect other people. I love Sampling randomly of people who are saying smart things or who are engaging. What do you do? You tend to go look at their handle That's part of you showing up for somebody else is to be the fan that you wish you had for them and in turn what that does is Especially if you show up over time That makes me curious and interested in what it is that you're doing like wow Fergus is always here. He's always engaged. He's always asking questions. I wonder what Fergus does So I'm gonna look start looking at Fergus's stuff now. This is true in Digital communities and in physical communities I've seen people sitting in the front row of if I've had public appearances in New York or LA or and these people are traveling and I still see them in the front row absolutely, I will make time for them now that is not necessarily the means to success is getting your, someone you've been learning from or inspired by to recognize your stuff, but you can ex- understand if you experience that, or sorry, if you, um, if you do that practice with a lot of different people in your community, that is by definition how you build it, right? If you show up, you are participating in that community, that community is growing, you're, you're N plus one right now imagine the same being true for other people showing up for you other people showing up at your stuff my my belief is that if you are not happy with the number of people that are liking your posts the the um response that you are getting from your industry of course we we can't only judge our process by what other people think otherwise we would um what is it the the um Well, I was gonna go down a different story. I'm not gonna go down that. But we can't always judge our uh, progress by how the market receives it. But we can foster, we should foster this connection that we know we will need at some point. Maybe you're not there right now. Maybe if you go back to the, our learning modes from last week. Maybe you're in the private part, the individual learning where you're trying to explore and understand, and you don't wanna um, everybody to be seen. This is still a great time to be showing up for others because at some point, you're gonna want them to show up for you. And notice I'm not aiming to make this a transactional. I show up, um, so therefore you must show up. No, 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 this is because it's the right thing to do to support your fellow human, to be a creator and there's so much value in you showing up to other people as well. Not only do you get to see and and learn, but you get to feel what it feels like to be around others who are pursuing their dreams. That is a very powerful force. And again, finding your people, which is the title of the section, is such an integral piece of the 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 web that that is success and fulfillment. So if our role in community is twofold. The first is showing up and giving support, delivering value. I did notice that a handful of you um, did a review at Amazon for Creative Calling. Thank you. I see you. I see you delivering. That's value to me and to this community. It's value to me um, because you are showing up at my books page and typing in words and downstream at some point i will benefit from that but it's also valuable for the community because you're sharing what you've learned you're adding value and expecting nothing in return maybe if you are oriented around the transaction i would invite you to decouple your emotional um, relationship with the transaction and try and be in it for the greater good understand that you will benefit but, but starting with an, uh, um, not expecting anything return in, in return is um, a very, very good practice. So the second role is to participate, to listen, to ask questions, to expand your perspective by listening to a number of viewpoints, by providing um, prompts, by if you're stuck, you asking a question not only is showing up for yourself, but it's showing up for others because if there are 4,200 people tuning in right now, certainly some subset of those people have the same question or a very similar one that you do. Now, go back to the singer songwriter. So many people think if there's just one person on stage or it's a poet or it's uh, a, a practice or a craft that is historically thought of as just a, a solitary pursuit Um, just I I, I, I can't caution you enough from that mindset I in the book I use the concept of Metallica you think it's just four people but you realize they travel with literally hundreds of people to every single venue and so it's a little more like a symphony than a four-piece band because all of those things working in concert with one another pun intended from the sound engineers to the recording booth to the executives to the Um, to the stage builders are required to to put on the experience that you receive when you show up at a show. Um, So there's a really cool graphic. Uh, I wanna go back to the phones here and I'm gonna start off with uh, some chats from around the world first. Um, But I wanna go, let's see here. I want to go to page 228 there's a graphic there and that graphic is about um the community overlap now i've named a couple of different communities i've named a craft community for me that was photography and photography is my craft so for example if you were a writer this would be the writing community craft community focus community for me that was action sports right that was um I could have participated in action sports as an athlete, not as a photographer. That was a, a an identity that I had owned for a long time. It's one of the reasons that I decided to photograph in that community because this community I was already connected to. And for you, I don't I don't want to suppose what that is. But if you go to two twenty eight, which I know you are right now. This core community where those two things overlap, again, I'll use my own example, action sports photographer. There's action sports community, and that's if you're at REI or you, you know, jump out of airplanes or base jump or snowboard or skate or whatever, there's photography where those two things overlap to me, that was my core community. So I would invite you to start thinking about what communities you can join. Earlier in the class, I hinted about becoming a joiner, and I said we'd talk about that in uh, in the amplify step. Becoming a joiner is a turnoff. It's a scary thing. It's weird for a lot of people. This is something. This is part of your assignment today: is to get over that fear, is to to take some step and join a community. We heard. Um, already from Who was it? I think it was Maybe it's Nancy talked about um, Joining that right that group now I don't care. I don't want to be prescriptive. Are you joining a if you're a writer joining a writing group if you're a photographer Joining a photography group if you're an entrepreneur group or if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you know joining a tech group or something I don't care. I just want you to start to develop the habit of joining something and You will know soon if this is providing value, but I want you to commit to enough of these sessions that you are able to overcome the stories that we are programmed to tell ourselves when something is uncomfortable right up front. It's sort of like working out doesn't start to feel good until the third or fourth week. (laughs) Anybody identify with that? Like imagine if you said, does working out feel good? And the next day you wake up, you feel terrible, you feel sore, you feel painful, you feel pain. Um, and yet, if you showed up four workouts in a row, that's when you start to get the buzz. The same thing is true with community. Um, so, again, I want to, I want, that is one of your assignments is to become a joiner here. This is the heading on page 229, if the graphics on page 228, um, draw your own Venn diagram. What are two different communities that you know you're in, your craft? and your focus and therefore what what might your core community be? And I don't care if it's small, small is actually beneficial. You can have more impact on the community. You um, can connect with the people who started the community more easily. Um, you get uh, maybe more personalized one-on-one connection, coaching, ideation. Um, and then the benefit of a very large one is the breadth. So again, there's really no downside in identifying the craft and the focus communities, and then um, trying to throw a dart right at the group that is very much in line with the things that you wanna do. So having done this exercise, I hope for those of you who read ahead, um, is anybody can anyone give us examples of both the core, or sorry, the craft, focus, and or core communities that you uh, are tapped into in your world? I want to see. Show sure a couple hands up there. Okay, I'm going to go from to Lisa, and then I'm going to go to Mary, Lisa Alvarez, and then Mary Fox.
2: There we go. Um, I have tapped into. Actually, it's related to the one that Nancy mentioned, and it's called Wild Idea Lab, and it's for conservation photographers specifically, and it's been mm. a, a game changer. And I did that at. Not this week. I've been doing it since I was up in Seattle um, for your for your, you know, when you had the, the book class before book COVID, tour. the pre-COVID class.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, any rate, so that was one of the the ways I made changes after that class. And right, right. Um, it's been phenomenal.
0: It's how just has a game changer. let me ask another question, Lisa? How has the process? Would you consider yourself an extrovert or introvert, and how? How has the process of joining communities showing up, being the person sitting alone at the lunch table saying, hey, I'm over here, I'd like to, you know, show up at the, you know, did you feel like you connected with other people? Did you get value from showing up? Like, Just talk us through a little bit, you know, one level deeper, what was it like?
4: Yeah.
2: Um. It was absolute, I consider myself an introvert, although I'm probably right in the middle because I definitely have extroverted tendencies, but I need that time to recharge by myself.
4: Ambivert, yeah, Amber
3: yeah.
4: Bert. Oh,
2: okay, <laughs> I'm an ambivert. Okay, so I, um, there, there was a lot of interaction on this in this particular community. They work on the Zoom platform and they have uh, coffee hours, they have classes like the one Nancy mentioned, um, I did that class as well, and it continues on, so even though I'm done with the class, we still have question and answer periods uh, every Tuesday where you meet and you show up um, and talk to people.
0: One other question, how how did it feel, um, were you nervous when you showed up at first and you say, like, you're the newbie?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I suffer, as I mentioned last week, the imposter syndrome, Um, definitely, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in talking to people who are have the same interests that you do, and also are going through some of the same things that you're going through. Yeah. So some people are at my level, and other people are have gone through it and can offer advice.
0: Just, just think about that. Thank you, Lisa. Think, think about that. When you show up at a community, we all are. Um, we may have some anxiety about how we show up, but if you can cast that aside, even for a moment, show up. When you enter a community, you, there are people who are at your level that you can share experiences with, that you can learn from. There are people who are not as far along as you are. Even if you join today, someone else is gonna join tomorrow. So there are people who are further behind where you are in your journey or your role in this community, and of course, there are people who are further along in their journey, and this is like this is part of both your ability to, um, you know, reach up and ask for a hand, and to help other reach down and help mm-hmm. others pull them up. You know, this is like a this is structure in a social environment, and around if you can put again your your craft community, your focus community, and or ideally your core community to this. You know, if you can um, identify those folks. It's just an instant shot in the arm. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, thank you for sharing. I'm gonna go up to Mary real quick here. Hey Mary, um, just share something. Hey, Chase. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hi there. Share, share something on your experience of joining.
2: Well, um, I've done a lot of um, action figure photography and um, had a chance to meet with a group of people that are um, into the same thing I am. And was able to actually start a group of my own locally of uh, uh, folks that go out and we we do um, Shoots together and stuff like that.
0: Yeah See this is this is also you you what you learn. Thank you, Mary What you learn from doing that is seeing what other people are doing and maybe you can't drive four hours for every meeting But maybe you can start something on a smaller scale. Maybe it's digital and if, it, if um, you know something online is Uh, a possibility, you know, I don't know how you guys have stayed in touch, Mary, but what I just heard from Mary was that she was inspired by what she saw to do something that that was her own on a slightly different scale. Again, this is part of being connected to your peers and not necessarily seeing them as competitive. I believe that that just, that works itself out. We got I just want to go over to the other phones here the uh, text phones Eric Francis um, Says he once felt alone in the indie filmmaking world in his area and there were no groups I could find So he started his own group and he adds it did a lot to keep me going. So You know if not you who and if not now when um, Dennis is uh, giving a shout out, Sue on YouTube, uh, Carmen on Twitter, um, oh, talking about the community of dog walkers and <laughs> more, more like the con, sorry, this is a, it's an amazing comment, how have the part of feeling less like a dog walker and more like being in a wolf pack. Yes. Um, Another, uh, Maria right now is asking how best to follow other people that are in the chat. I would just type in their name and platforms that you spend the most time socializing on. Um, If you are in the Zoom call, and for the folks that are, you know that the comments section, the chat section here is open for you. So I'm not in there um, mucking it up. Uh, I'm drawing my, my inputs from a different set of platform. But that comment, that chat room is for you all to connect if there are people who are doing things and you'd want to share what it is that you're building or a community that you've received value from over time. All right, Um, thank you for sharing, um, Lisa and Mary. The best way to level up your own game is to level up your habits, level up the people around you, level up your processes. It's very hard to understand um, the concept, or I guess we can understand the concept of growth, but it's very hard to experience it without taking action. This idea, if you go back to the execute chapter, this is why I'm in such an advocate of taking a step, even if it's an imperfect step. Right now, you may have uh, fear about joining a community, may be excited, but you're doing nothing unless you're actively participating in that community. That's where the real value kicks in. Again, the best way to add value to your own game is leveling up the people processes around you. You're, you've heard me say the average—you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I forget who said that first, um, but it's very true. It is a. This is why um, community and amplification takes up twenty-five percent of the book. All right, that it's finding your people. Topic one. Topic two, how to build your audience. Now, if you came here for me to tell you specifically what to do, what steps to do to grow your Instagram following, I'm not going to give you that. So it's the wrong class. It's the wrong level of detail. And importantly, it's not the concept that I want us to focus on because the mechanics of each of those things are slightly different. And there are all kinds of people and places and ways to think about building your community, but I'm here to give you the macro. And the macro is that the people that have created success for themselves, and notice I didn't say find success, they've created it for themselves. They have built an audience and they have spent time and energy doing it. Now, I advocate, I call this the other 50% because in, in part I want to underscore how much of a commitment it takes and that it is the other because it is something that is not normally identified as a stepping stone to success and fulfillment. Remember, most people think that the work stands for itself. That's where most people enter this sphere and they say, if I just do great work that I will create success for myself, not true. After some time pursuing that, you realize that, oh, it's actually creating my work and promoting it. So it's not just the work. Everybody has to promote it. Think of the biggest movie stars in the world. They have to go on press tour to promote that. There's a whole marketing machine that kicks off. Everybody has to promote. So it it must just be doing good work and then promoting that work. But if you're just doing that work and promoting that work and you don't have a Relationship with a uh, a cross section of humans who are ready to receive your work, for whom you have stood out over time, for whom you have shown up for them, for whom you have inspired or connected with or added value in some way, they won't be there to receive your promotion. I, I want to really harp on this for a second because this idea of promoting. If you haven't shown up before, no one knows who you are when you walk on stage to promote the thing that you just built, the play you just wrote, the script that you just wrote. This is a very hard concept for some people. And it, I, I will add that this was a, uh, a learning curve for me. It's one of the reasons I started writing a blog back in 2004. Was because I I knew that I didn't know that much, but I I did know that if I shared what I did, that there were probably other people who were going through the same thing that I was, and we might just be able to connect. Secretly, it was a motivation of mine to learn from them, but notice that the approach that I took was giving value first, here's what I know. And at first, again, two readers, four readers, it was my grandma, and then I realized that my grandma had two email addresses (laughs) In my database of like six people But over time that turned into millions of people and Over time it wasn't like I did nothing to contribute. I wrote nearly every day for years There's more than a thousand blog posts there and that was the foundation that foundation of the blog is what launched a lot of the early social success on you know as the platforms emerged and then it was that audience, the social audience, YouTube, all the different cha- platforms that launched Creative Live or that launched the best camera app. And through creating the best camera app, that expanded my footprint because now there was digital stuff scaling technology. So it wasn't just photography, it was technology, it was digital, all the app makers and the tech forums that I got connected through. And then I used that community to learn an immense amount about. Further building community about becoming a better creator and that community ultimately became You know the basis for creative lives early success now I admit that there was much of this that I didn't understand early and that's why i'm trying to commit so much time today and Uh in the book to helping people understand that there is not one creator that you follow that has not um, Followed this pattern in some, at some scale, you understand that you start to participate in these communities at arm's length. Then you maybe take a role in these communities. Maybe then you start your own, you lead your own. This is not about size. This is not about number of followers. This is about engagement. It's about connection. It's about staying hungry and staying humble. Okay it's very important distinction between what we think of as social media and what community building actually looks like all right ultimately in cultivating community in putting in 50 percent of our time in building community this the number one place where people fall down ultimately in building community, is that they believe that it's just scrolling on Instagram or on whatever your preferred social platform is. We often tell ourselves the teeny lie that this is building community. And I would say that that is procrastination. I would say that that is uh, unnecessary comparison. And the difference is, what is my intent when I open up the app? If my intent is to uh, you know, go back to Fergus's thing, if I've created something already, because that's how I like to start every day, put something out into the community, don't care if it's a community of two or two million, put something out in the community, and then I have a time boxed commitment and I open the app with the goal of participating, as in leaving comments, learning from, distilling information, trying to add value, a heart, a like, a comment is always best, But that is the participation part that tells me when I showed up with the intention I intended just to scroll and consume mindlessly, or am I taking an active role in building community? I I think uh, the idea of leaving comments is radically underappreciated. And it's not just a comment that's a heart or a high five or an emoji to show someone that you're actually engaging with the work. Will do two things. One, it will it will help you understand the work that, that person is doing, what went into it and how it applies to you. And it it's a different level of meaning and commitment for the community that you do show up in. And what happens over time is your this this intention around participating in community actively rather than passively scrolling. Um, If you can approach it with discipline, you can time box it, you can do this after you've already created something and shared it with the community. You can start to look at this as a tool, as a laboratory, as an opportunity of learning and growth. You can balance your commercial aspirations with your personal growth, ambition and aspirations by how much you interact, on what level. You start to develop a sense of your required promotional skills and the skills of others. And you can realize that if you have a relationship with someone and you show them something that you've built, how much more likely they are to engage with it versus if you do not have a relationship with them. Now, there's a handful of ways that I would encourage you to seek. You know, we talked about the different phases of learning quite a bit in the x phase our execute chapter, um, section of the book. We're talking largely about digital community here because we're in a COVID world and getting together in person is tough, but I want to underscore that, um, over time when it does get safe to be in closer physical proximity to other people, that this is not something to be overlooked. Um, There's also a beautiful thing about a book, right? A book is mentorship at scale. And the way that a book is better than a community is it doesn't talk back, right? You can sit with the ideas in quiet and not feel compelled to keep scrolling. You can go deep on a particular topic. So whether it's a book, whether it's an online digital community, or whether it's a physical community, which I encourage you to start to spend time budgeting both time and money to attend physical gatherings, not just in your um in your neighborhood or in your locality, but maybe you do step out onto you know a national stage and travel to attend a meditation retreat in, you know, in a place that you've always wanted to go or to study with a teacher you've always wanted to study with. Um, I think there's tremendous value there. All right. So that's really topic two. This is the concept of building your audience, having a long view, doing so with um, the goal of adding value whether, rather than extracting it and by being in this for a very long period of time, those are, those are a handful of things that are, will set you, set you up for success if you do not understand what I mean. Now is a good time to put your hand up and ask a question. Because before we move on to sort of launching and and getting your big project out there, you cannot do that successfully um, without having laid the groundwork for people to receive your work. So I'm gonna first look here at the, my little um, text aggregator, my comment aggregator. Um, Well, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Moving a little bit too fast though. Let's see, let's go back to Zoom then, because it's too hard for me to pull something out of the chat. All right, Zoomers. Anyone have any questions about this? Lauren's got a question, two hands up question. That is a great way to be seeing this. (laughs)
3: Let
0: me uh, unmute you there. Go ahead, Lauren, thanks for showing up.
2: Hey, Chase, thanks for having me. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, you sound great.
2: Awesome. So my question is, I was reading through this chapter and this was quite a revelation to start thinking about audience. I work as a film designer and an art director. And so Mm -hmm. I've always thought that my audience was the people who are watching the end product, the film or the television series. And of course, that's always years down the road from when I'm in the creative process. It's so delayed. But now I'm wondering if my actual people and my audience are other people that are also creating film like producers and directors and people who are more in that moment with me because later the audience is so wide i don't have i don't feel connected and i wonder you go direction (laughs) Uh,
0: no uh, this is awesome and i'd steer you back to the diagram on page 228 and for you to sort of uh excavate you know what your do you work on specific films like documentary films or is it documentary films in a particular genre
2: um i'm working like I'm... on a netflix
4: tv series right
2: okay.
0: now okay okay cool so the the craft community is your community of other people who are doing what you're doing what you're doing and that and that is a very valuable one because writers or uh, did you say you're a writer is that what you are think you're all your there Oh, your art director, that's right. So the, the number of people that are doing what you're doing at the level you're doing it at, the amount of information and knowledge and the variance of experience across you know, all the folks that are in your profession is so vast and so valuable. You know, I always like to say you don't have to actually touch the stove to know it's hot when you just saw somebody else burn themselves on it. Right. <laughs> and you know, this is a, the, a hunk of value that you can get from other art directors, and I don't know how many, you know, what the budgets of these things are. But sometimes there are several art directors on any, any individual product and their project. And by befriending them, asking advice way before you ever offer any, um, that I think that ends up being a great audience for you to um, a community rather for you to participate in, and if. Just as an example, let's just say you look around and there isn't a bunch of um, Facebook communities or a a bunch of great email lists for people that are in your area of work. This is a way this is an insight that maybe start one because this positions you as not, not necessarily an authority, but as someone who cares and people can feel whether or not you care and these people who can feel it They are your customers they're your peers. They are the people who hire you these this is a valuable service that you can provide not just for the community but ultimately for yourself as well like and It doesn't have to be a heavy lift. It doesn't have to be you now being a full-time community organizer That is what so many of us think I can I think you can scale your effort um, to the group of art directors who work on TV film series and and learn a lot even if it's just to gripe about clients or to learn about someone who's not that great to work for someone who's really amazing to work for and it's very it's very consistent across um, industries that people have a fear of um, in in having a community around a, a narrow thing like that where you get hired and fired by a small ish number of people that Um, If you give away your trade secrets or your contacts or whatever that you are somehow putting yourself at a disadvantage It's very common. In fact, I only have the experience of the opposite being true and when you show up like that and you show up with an open book an open Rolodex and um, And you bring transparency to an industry that historically hasn't um, had that or you bring um, authenticity to a community that was historically full of backstabbers and me me, mine, people who are you know, hoarding information, it has this um, extraordinary power to blow all that up in your favor. It's like showing up, being confident in a way that when everyone else around you is, is not confident, there's a, um, you get to be perceived as an anchor This in turn provides trust, not just to trust that you have with others or they might have in you, but one trust that you have with yourself, your ability to put information out there. In short, it's very hard for me to quantify all of this stuff but it's very easy for me to assert from experience, you know, my own experience and deconstructing the successful lives of so many other people that, have created or cultivated this community uh, around their craft. Downstream from that, if it's the end audience, I know there are a lot of people who wanna be art directors on the level of projects that you are working on. There are a lot of people who wanna do exactly what you're doing right now, and that is a great community for you to cultivate. Even if you think there are 10 people who are interested, there's probably 10 million. That's the cool thing about the internet, right? And so whether you're, like you can imagine, one is a bunch of your peers, people who do the same thing as you do. And the other is people who would love to do the same thing that you do, who are maybe in the broader concept of art directors and maybe some of them are not necessarily in TV, but they're they're currently in digital and they wanna go into being an art director for online video or something. You start to see the different um, permutations of and the different scales that you could operate at, the different kinds of communities that you can participate in, and I would just say, don't don't limit yourself. Ultimately, becoming a joiner, you know, again that thing on two twenty nine. My goal in saying that is not to get you to burn your time or spoil all of the uh, the time that you want to put in and burn in, in developing community, but it's in you, you start to develop a feel of what's working and what's not working. Do more of what's working and less of what's not working, and Um, I think there are probably 10 different ways you can further slice this. I use my example of photography and action sports and my overlapping core community then is other action sports photographers. So however you position your Venn diagram, I would encourage you to try and do that four or five different times, show up to some of those different communities, and you'll see which ones provide value for you and where you might be able to add value to the other. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're still muted there, Lauren. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Just as an example, Lauren, I just want to tell you, I'm looking at Facebook and I'm looking at YouTube live and there are people saying, I would love to do what you do. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, where are we here? Um, Patricia Thomas Smith says, how does one get their story ideas out there to the right person to get on Netflix? You know, like, just that is a, a micro example of however many people are watching right now, there's already people who are in your community or ripe for a community that you can champion or you know, play a small role in or start your own. Just today, just in this small teeny subset and never lose track of that. That is a thing that is part of why there's 50 faces here in the Zoom call and there's, everyone can see the comments if you're on any of these social platforms. It's just a reminder that you're not alone, and that is a huge part of the creative process. This continual, you know, bringing back to, I'm adding value to myself, and you know, the best art, the best creations add value to others. Remember, everything around us was created, and that create. I am benefiting from the creative aspirations of so many other people right now with this microphone, the technology, the monitor, the desk, the furniture, the refrigerator that's keeping my Lacroix cold right there. There's, you know. I just, it's, it's really hard to overstate. Um, Allie over on Facebook, Bernie on Facebook, uh, Eric Grady, um, thank you so much for your, your uh, comments. They're chiming in, in support of this community and they're behind you, Lauren. and they want you to know that you got this. Um, let's see here, going back to my document. All right. <clears throat> um, this is going to be my request to share uh, a, a potentially negative experience and it takes a little bit more courage. Just know that um, I appreciate anyone being willing to volunteer. I'm going to paint a picture here. You have been working on this presentation at work or uh, the song. Or this, um, fill in the blank, whatever it is you you whatever your craft you've been working on it for a long time, and you put it out there, and it was tumbleweeds, it was crickets, it was nothing. Right now you might understand, aha, I know why the person who sits across from me at work, uh, or you know who has a very similar um, profile to me on Instagram, why their work is. Jace is telling me right now why their work is being recognized and mine wasn't because they've been building community So, you know that now post facto, but I would love to hear from someone who Had the experience of putting something out there. It didn't get picked up. They didn't get the traction that they were hoping for and Now they've got some fear because of it Anybody willing to go there Yes, all right, um, I'm unmuting. The name there is Kim, but there are two people, so I don't want to be presumptuous. Um, welcome to the chat. I'm asking you to unmute. There you go. Can't wait to hear. Please share.
3: Hi, Chase. My name is Lance. Um, I'm a writer. I've been writing pretty much since I was nine. A few years ago, I wrote a horror novel. It was part of the Rimo, where you try to write a book yeah. in 30 days.
0: Love it. Um,
3: Pulled off 59,000 words in 30 days, went through about four edits and put it out there into the world to a publisher in New York. It was a small independent publisher. It went through their original editor who was emailing me every couple of days about how amazing the book was, how scary the book was. Um, His wife was even mad at me because he was reading it out loud to her and she was having nightmares. Oh, (laughs) Wow. <laughs> it, it went all the way up to their chief editor, and they were talking about all the things they wanted to do with it. And then suddenly, I got an email from them. They rejected the book, and their reasoning was they didn't think that they were a big enough or capable enough publisher to do anything with the book. And they thought that if they put it out, it would just lay there. Mm-hmm and it kind of sabotaged the whole thing to have all of that positive feedback and then to just have them dump it even after i said to them i'm completely okay with us growing together because this is my first book it's my first novel i've had poems and short stories published but it's my first novel and they still rejected it and i've submitted it a couple of places since then but not really with the same kind of enthusiasm. It kind of train wrecked my enthusiasm for that particular story.
0: Well, and you said Lance is your name? Yeah. Lance, let's see everybody give a shout out to Lance for sharing that is, that's hardcore, man. I appreciate you. And I'm gonna, a couple of follow-up questions and, um, and then I'm gonna deconstruct a little bit of what I, I think is going on and what um, uh, maybe a recommendation. So have you done anything else since? Have you written another novel? Are you writing consistently on another project?
3: I write consistently probably 1,500 to 3,000 words a day on different projects, depending on what I'm working on. I've completed one book since then, but primarily I'm focusing on poetry and some nonfiction currently. And she and I are working together She's a photographer and we're working on a couple of joint projects.
0: Amazing. All right, so that is music to my ears because here's what often happens. So I want you to pat yourself on the back. When you have a lot of, especially early enthusiasm from your friends or in this case from the publisher, you, you take a few steps, you start leaning in and then you get smacked down. What often happens is this period of mourning, a period of sort of reconciliation with, the, the um, being let down and That you are continuing to write is very uncommon and Very powerful in your favor like kudos to you. That's huge And there's a couple of lines in the book, uh, and I have in my notes here that as a reminder to all of us You are not your work right your work is one aspect that you are trying to create and share with others and it has so many things intertwined with it your level of skill and actually being able to say what you want to say um your ability to um just to be good at the craft right like there's that's the creative gap right the gap of what you can do as a photographer what you see in your mind and what you're actually capable there's often a gap there unless you're a master you see one thing and you put it on it doesn't quite look like that and so almost by definition. Right. If you haven't mastered something and you put it out there and there's a gap, that gap leaves room for misunderstanding and misunderstanding of the work of your intention of whatever. That's why you master your craft. So the message that you want to say is the same exact message that gets out there in the world. But also remember that you can't control the other people. You can't control the receivers of your art. So if you can by practice disconnect from that you are the product of the work product that goes out there in the world and so in rejecting the work the publisher's not rejecting you the artist they might have 50 other things that look exactly like the thing that you don't know why they would have rejected it right there might be there might be five other projects that are exactly like yours that are further along in the pipeline or someone they've worked with for a long time who's look, who's working on something that's similar enough that they can't produce two can't publish two things that look like it there's A thousand ways and me recounting all of them is not you know the best use of your time But when it comes to launching Products putting them out there in the world getting them in front of the people that are hopefully your allies in um, Getting this this work to the world There's going to be so many different emotions coming up and there's going to be so many different opportunities for things to go not well that if you can disconnect the amount of success or recognition or traction or whatever word you want to use that work gets you will be stronger because of it now what lance has going for him is that i heard that he wasn't dissuaded in the act of writing so many people it just causes them to freeze and they don't do anything else and they will do everything to try and get this work put somewhere because there's the sunk fallacy the sunk Work fallacy of, oh, now I did this work, therefore I have to keep banging the door on this project. And I know people, I know lots of people, myself included, who have created something and have shopped it and shopped it and shopped it. And it's still not getting the kind of traction that you want, or it's not getting the adoption that you see it you think it should be in the marketplace. You know what? Get back to creating. This is the Andy Warhol quote. Like let everybody else judge your work. And while they're judging it, you're just making more work so when lance you know stands in front of a couple thousand people here and talks about being rejected by a publisher um it's my hope that in having him be vulnerable like that that you realize that you're not alone and we've all had this concept of tumbleweeds the next question that i want to ask lance if i may is now that we're talking about community and now that you realize having that's just one publisher that you have a relationship with they've seen some of your work Can you describe to us, are there other actions that you are taking to further build and develop your community? Or it sounds like you're very prolific and this is what a lot of creators do is they just put their head in the work. That's awesome. And they'll write another, you've already got another book and you're working on two other poems and three of the nonfiction pieces. I just want to ask if you're building community because if you're not spending time building community and you're just cranking out the work, This belief that the work will stand on its own and that merit happens to meritorious works is that that's a false belief. So and I'm I'm asking this in order to be able to provide help and further guidance. If you're not, don't worry about it. But I want to know, are you spending more time cultivating community?
3: I am now like I'm almost obnoxiously extroverted. Um, I'm a storyteller of storytellers of storytellers. And I've done everything from stand-up comedy to magic. So I'm I'm out. Yes. There.
0: Amazing. I had um, a great, great magic routine when I was in second grade. It, it's not it's it's <laughs> falling off now. But
3: um so I'm friends with a lot of writers, including some fairly famous ones. And we talk a lot about just the work and what's what's trending and what's interesting and what's beautiful being written out there right now. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm kind of getting past the hump. Of that book that I really loved so much getting dropped and getting back to writing things that I think are actually even better than that book I think that I'm past that hurdle of the rejection and it's really been contacting other writers and photographers and just artists in general and saying you know what are you struggling with this Great. is what I'm struggling with and we all kind of talk each other through it.
0: Cool, let me ask another question here. This is, I'm using this this third topic of launch and you in particular Lance is a little bit of a case study here because here's what I heard, you're, you're continuing to connect with other writers, other publishers, other. that's fantastic, very valuable. But if I'm doing the map of the community map that I'm asking you to, to draw from page 228 where you've got your craft community, sounds like you're investing a lot of time there, but are, the, are other writers the primary, let's just, I'm just gonna say you write in science fiction, this is not the point, but the point is actually to create a little distance between you and whatever you write. So there's the people who consume science fiction, science fiction readers, science fiction book buyers, and then there's other writers, right? And I wanna know, are you cultivating a relationship with end consumers who are ultimately going to buy your books or to buy the books that your poems are in. What I do find is that, and this may not be true with you, so I'll let you chime in in just a second, but a lot of, and this is what I noticed in large part in the photography community when I first tapped into it, was it was all full of other photographers who were in an echo chamber of photography talking about how to get their work 1% better. And the last time I checked, this is one of the reasons I sort of shied away from that group early on is because I was like, okay, how many of you people are gonna buy my photography? Who's gonna license it and put it on a billboard somewhere? Who's gonna license it and put it in front of X number of people? So I, I realized that they were a community, but not the community that I needed to foster. I need to start building a community. Those are communities I can join. I can join the photography community. It existed before I, You know came into being and it will exist long after me. That's a thing that is ongoing and I can join But what about the community of people who are ready and willing and excited to receive your work? What if you put in, you know, you're writing 3,000 words a day. That's just amazing again the ability to be a prolific artist is so it's so valuable What if you spent a thousand of those words every day writing a daily newsletter and you created a group of people who like what you write. And you, you know, took a couple online classes at Creative Live or, or on the internet or wherever you want to go about, you know, building a community or, or writing an email newsletter for a select group of people that has a little bit of your writing, a little bit about what you're writing. Those are people who are going to be buying your product. And notice this is not not participating with other writers and other publishers, and you need to show up at all the places where those people will you know, buy and promote your book. But what I found as an example is I I went with Harper, whether you go with Penguin Random House or anything, they're actually, when they give you an advance, they're giving you an advance based in large part of the community that you've already developed. They look at that that fee as an acquisition cost for them. They're acquiring new users through you. So until you start to have an audience of your own, the publisher is going to be less likely to invest in you because there's someone who they would determine is of similar quality to you that has been developing their own set of um, customers ready to receive their work. And I wanna make sure you understand the difference between having relationships with publishers and having relationships with other writers and relationships with an end consumer. Talk to me, Lance.
3: I think that I've got the, Writers, and I've got the consumers, but the publishers part is sort of out of it. I publish a, quite a bit of stuff just sort of free to the public on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But that's really the only place I publish is there. Okay. I do want to start a website, a blog, something like that. I think I need a little bit of guidance on the technology of that whole thing, sure. and how to maintain it, and how to spread it. So yep. I think that that idea of taking a class is probably gonna be really beneficial for that kind of thing.
0: Sure, sure, and I'll give you two other things. Go to medium.com, click start an account, and you can be writing on Medium in inside of five minutes. Go to right. um, wordpress.com, click on start a blog, and right now I was thinking like, oh my God, I'd have to have the perfect URL. What am I gonna write about? No one's gonna read it for the first like six months. So just get writing, put your ideas <laughs> down, and. In that for first six months, you've got plenty of time to figure out all the other details, but everybody wants to figure it out and get it perfect before they start, which is the reverse of what they ought to do to create the most value for themselves and their readers. So just this last little exchange we've had here, it sounds like you've got a relationship with other artists and authors. Sounds like you'd like to know more publishers, but what I want you to do is create an audience around your work. A, create an audience of consumers willing to pay for your work. And the way that you do that is on very small, lightweight ways over a long period of time. This is why I, it's the classic 10 year overnight success, right? You, and, and just your Facebook group alone is not enough. Right. If, if you can write long form on Facebook, I don't think you can. Um, then that would be maybe a better one, but because they can't really consume your writing, or if you're just pushing your writing to the platform and not actually engaging there, you're missing on a huge opportunity. Um, I do like the idea of personal blogs, and I like personal email newsletters because being able to be in someone's inbox is a very valuable place to be because they've said that they know you, they trust you, they want to hear from you, and you know at Creative Live and and. Me personally, constantly trimming that list because the people who aren't engaging with that work, they're not my people. So, and if you're not, this you're the classic perfect example for us to have this conversation around Lance because you're engaged, you're willing to do the work, you've had some early rejection, but you know, I think there I sense a sense of confidence that your work is good, and over time, you will find the right audience. But what we, I'd like you to do is spend some time, some very explicit time building an email list, having, cultivating a relationship and social channels. Just so you know, I recognize you showing up here as part of this, because right now there's some people like, I want to know, maybe you can put your, uh, you know, any of your writing links to some of your writing here in the chat. This is part of showing up, but I want you to overemphasize, take, an, you know, 30 minutes of that 90 minutes that you're writing 3000 words every day and go leave comments on other people's Facebook pages, go leave comments on other people's Instagram, show up at, you know, at the Nanaimo, there's a, Nanaimo is that right, I always get, that's Nanaimo, I think that's a city in, in Canada, it's a very, it's a very place in Canada, that's right, and yes, um, um, whatever the writing group is called, where you write a book in a certain amount of time, there's a huge community there, start to see those humans out, the buyers of the work, All right, I I went deep with you, Lance. Huge shout out to you. Congratulations for having the discipline to do the work. Now there's the, the same amount of work that you've put into your craft because clearly you're proficient, you're prolific, you're engaged with what you do. I want you to find a way through this community, through creative life classes, to get better at social media, to start writing in a public forum, and to create an email list because that is the unlock for you. and This is why Amplify exists. You're you're the perfect person to share your experience, and I want to say thank you for showing up. But all right, um, I want to touch base on you know a little bit more here on launch. Make sure I I have a few additional notes here. Um, a lot of people, you know, I guess I'll. I'll uh, I'll go back to what we used Lance as an example. He stepped up and was willing to talk about being rejected. Um, rejection comes in lots of forms. Um, there's the story that I tell in the book of Jia Zheng who uh, created rejection therapy. And rejection therapy, and if you're not familiar with that or you missed this part of it, the that is the idea of getting used to being told no. Tim Ferriss, I think he got turned by turned down by 36 publishers for the four-hour work week before one took a chance on him. And it, this idea of getting used to hearing no, I think the blog post that I would steer you towards on my site is it says yes is for wimps. Um, and you know this process of orienting yourself around getting rejected is developing a, a muscle of um, willingness to continue to put your work out there at, uh, at and, and and get rejected. Jia Zhang, just to, to tell that story, if you're not familiar with his work, he um, thought he was about to break through in his startup. He had funding and everything. And in short, he lost it all and was very sad and frustrated and realized this is one of the first major rejections he's had in his life. And so he wanted to get used to it. And so he started... I think he tried to get rejected every day. And by, he was doing a number of things like asking people for favors or, um, the, my favorite example is he, the two, two interesting things come out of this. One is he, he went to Krispy Kreme donuts and it was during the Olympics and he said, hey, I really like all your donuts, but what I don't see here in the shelf is uh, the Olympic rings. So I'm wondering if you can make me the five Olympic ring a donut that looks like that with the colored frosting and stuff. And of course, anyone is expecting anyone in this call who hasn't isn't familiar with the story is expecting them to laugh him out of the out of the building. But what you'd be surprised to know is that they actually made it for him. They made him this custom donut. And it was because he asked. And so while certainly he got used to being rejected because he asked as many absurd things as he can, with the goal of getting told no, you'd also be surprised at the number of things that he was. You know that that people obliged in his ask. So you're ultimately creating multiple muscles when you're doing this process of being getting used to small lightweight rejections. He asked as an as an another example, example. He asked a police officer if he could drive his car. Cop said yes. He drove this police car around. So this combination of being willing to be rejected as a mechanism for developing thick skin and realizing simultaneously that if you don't ask for it, people are not out there running around looking to provide you with all the things you need if they don't know how they can help you. This combination of things is very, very powerful. So um, there's a lot of tie also with um, who matters. Now, a show of hands and maybe chime in in the comments. If you're familiar with uh, my original conversation with Brene Brown, it has to be 10 years old now. Uh, I, I consider Brene a dear friend. Um, and that interview, if you type my name and hers, you'll see three or four times she's been on, on my podcast and or NL creative live. The oldest one I think is one that I would ask you to go check out. And again, sorry, show of hands if you've seen or heard that conversation Diana Diana is very excited about it. Most of the people I I I put it at the There's a couple pages here in the zoom callers. I put it at 50% So for the other 50% who are not familiar with that that would be a recommendation as some uh, another piece of work And uh, i'm seeing comments come in a lot of people from around the world. Yes favorite episode ever Of course, um (laughs) Oh, sorry leo wants to know what was the rejections guy's name jia j-i-a jang g j-a-n-g um so lots of folks have seen that and One aspect of that one thing we cover in that episode, which is why I bring it up Is because brene carries around a list. I think it's five people she's written down the list of whom whose whose opinions of her actually matters at the end of her life in you know a perfect world is it your next door neighbor or the person down the street or in the most the narrowest sense whose opinion of you whose esteem of you actually matters and you know the the idea behind here is your spouse maybe your children um this Whatever the list is, your best friend, she writes that list down and she carries it around with her. And in moments where internet comments come in or another rejection letter comes in from a publisher, you look at that list. And if the name of the person who rejected you or the next door neighbor who chided you for something or the... Um, the band member who who didn't want you to be a part of the band anymore because they thought your singing wasn't right for the band. If their name is not on that list, then what do you do? You just get your ass back to work and you start looking for other people, different communities, more people to connect with your work that is not that person. So I would encourage you with some homework to make this list and it is a list, it should be short, I like the idea of carrying it with you. I put it in my phone. However you treat it, whatever you do with it is up to you. I just find it to be a valuable exercise. And again, if you're just tuning in or you missed the part of the, the intro, this is from my conversation with Brene Brown. I think it might've been 2010. God, that sounds crazy. Um, it's just, I, 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 I found it personally very valuable. Um, there's also a very, uh, a quote that Brene champions, which is a Roosevelt quote called the man in the arena. Um, as another thing, I would encourage you to look up on the internet, the man in the arena, um, very gender bias. I acknowledge, um, try and look through that um, and see the quote for the merits of it. And in short, it's, if you're not, in the arena and you're up in the cheap sheets, I don't actually care what you think. This is a very powerful muscle to develop when you're launching anything out into the world, whether it's a presentation at work or your first novel. If others are in the arena and you respect them, maybe they're not on that list, but there's someone who is actually doing the same work that you are doing, I like to listen to those people, especially if they are further along in the process than I am, have more experience, are, are further along in mastery of the subject that I am trying to master. But here's a weird thing that correlates with those people. They are almost never the people that throw rocks because you know what? They're actually doing the work. You usually get, we all usually get um, nasty comments from people who are not as far along in the process as we are or who not subject matter experts like we are, or who are not actually doing the work. So whether it's from the cheap seats um, or um, any other comment that's unwarranted, I would develop a muscle and a mechanism for determining what matters and what doesn't. That's the course, that's the point of the list. And also a radar for people whose opinions do matter whether they're on that list or they're people who are further along on the process than you. Again, they. my experience is they generally don't comment on your work, especially negative. negatively. They might say a positive thing. When I leave comments and I see photography that I like, I see writing that I like, I use products that I love, I try and give them a shout out because as someone who's built products that are used by tens of millions of people and by someone who has won a lot of awards in photography and created a living and a life for myself, I know, having been through that, that the person who's seeing that comment right now will get a little little jolt of positivity. All right, success is fleeting. Failure is never permanent. All things shall pass. Also, success is not required. You can do everything right everything right and still get the result that's different than the result that you want that's because the world is a complex and very dynamic thing so many folks were so well positioned I loved I'll just use the example of my friend Amy who started a co-working space called the Riveter it's a place built by women to include everyone co-working specifically with that ethos in mind it was doing so well COVID hit, can't get people together. She had great investors, a great idea, very timely idea. So many things were working and not a lot of us could see a global pandemic coming as a uh, as an easy and swift way to crush a business. If that business happens to be getting people together in a small room, you can see how that would have a negative effect. I believe that Amy did virtually everything she could uh, to create success that she was you know, experiencing through what I felt like was merit, and then to have um, a global pandemic wipe it out. Um, again, you can do all of the things right and still not get the outcome you want. That is in part why I recommend you not be attached to the outcome and you start to attach yourself to the process, the, part the process that Lance shared about loving writing and putting it out there. And the end result, may not be what you envision, but one thing is for sure, and that you will grow in the process of whatever it is that you are doing, whether it's uh, becoming better at cultivating community, a community waiting to receive your work, whether it is you're working on your craft, whether you're trying to find your core community that is the overlap between the craft and the focus communities. I don't have any experience with anyone saying that none of the work that they put in on those things was not, not helpful. Only the opposite is true, that they learned something from that. And as we said back in week one, the cool thing about the creative process and about creativity is no effort is ever wasted. All right, so I'm going to do a little recap here. Three topics for today on Amplify, where you need to find your people, do the work to think about communities and join them. Build your audience. Building an audience is not just social media building an audience is developing a relationship a one-on-one small number of relationships with people who are actually ready to receive your work these are not co-crafts people these are not people that are in your industry necessarily these are people who buy and consume whatever it is that you're making or they subscribe to services that you're providing and and then launch when you launch decouple the results of the launch with who you are as a human being Sharing and shame are Unnecessarily connected. I'm encouraging you to disconnect the shame or the, the 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 worry or the sadness the guilt the any number of these negative emotions with the process of Sharing your work. You are not your work What you are doing is learning how to create an audience because everyone who has cultivated success for themselves has Cultivated an audience ready to receive their work. So that's what you're working right now right now and decouple shame and embarrassment Part of the way that you do that is writing is reading that quote the man in the arena Writing down people who actually matter to you and if the criticism that you're getting is not from someone who's on that list keep going I want you to do the homework. I want you to do that list of people whose opinions of you actually matter deeply to you not just sort of on the surface. It's nice if your neighbor likes you, but not required. Two, I, I want you to identify your communities. Craft, focus, and then core. I want you, and I'm, I'm using, again, Lance, thank you so much for sharing. You were amazing at this. Start putting work out there where your community, the community that you would love to have who are clamoring for your work, where you think they hang out, start putting your work there, end consumer who's the customer that will actually write a check, would sign up for an email newsletter, would give their text, their, their email, whatever, to be a part of your community. Start adding value to those people where they are. Do not expect them to you know, come to you. You have to go where they are. So put your work into lots of places. And a lot of this has to do with learning how to be very uncomfortable. Because although we are social animals, we have been conditioned to be risk adverse. We look at being rejected um, by a publisher or not getting very many likes on our Instagram post as the saber tooth tiger. Neither of those things are true. The being rejected by a publisher and not getting very many likes is not going to have um, a near term negative effect on your ability to stay alive. So remember that you're working against your biology in. Your biology wants you to be um, scared and operate from a position of lack. It's through the process of creating over and over again that you're gonna disconnect um, the, the, or you're gonna, I guess, um, turn down the volume of the noise in the system that having fans and followers can create. In short, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And then when you do struggle, when you do get a rejection, what I love about Lance's story is that you could say that that was a failure because he wrote a book, tried to get it published and didn't succeed. Or you can look at that as just a stepping stone because will do we believe that Lance will get this book out there? I do unequivocally. And I can see a lot of other people do too, Lance. So, you know, failure is only failure if you stop (laughs) and clearly you haven't stopped Lance and I would invite all of you to take a page out of that book and look at failure as lightweight, low, you know, lowercase F failure as a stepping stone to success. Look back. The best way to do this is look at some other aspects of your life where you first got thrown a curveball, and then what was the downstream effect of that? It either strengthened your resolve, helped you learn new skills, um, made you turn in a different direction. Where you didn't expect to create success, and you certainly then you know, were able to find something. You can look backwards at a number of these elements of rejection or failure in your life and recognize how critical it was to where you are now. Remember when you wanted what you have or what you're doing or who you're becoming right now. Remember that because chances are it wasn't all that long ago. All right, those are some action steps. Um. I want to do a closing read, and then I'm going to take questions for another fifteen minutes or so because we've had a chance to integrate some of the questions into the curriculum. From page 244 this is where the closing read is going to be. Um, actually, I'll just read it out of my cut and paste it here. Creators create first and foremost. But if they want someone else to care, they lay the groundwork for future success while they're working. Think of the artists and entrepreneurs who are crushing it right now. There was a time when nobody paid any attention to what they did. They spent years participating in order to do what they've done now. They spent years in other communities establishing a base camp and patiently adding value to others until people started to notice them and their unique contributions slowly they built direct connections with people eventually there came a tipping point when that creator suddenly had a thriving community of their own eager to engage with what she had to share this is the thing about building community there's so much work in the trenches and remember it's the work that happens when no one is watching that matters the most I have responded, if I haven't responded to, ever, to a DM or some individual communication with probably, I would say every, but that's a, probably a stretch, with most of the 4,200 people who are doing this class that we're doing right now, I would be surprised. How long would it take you to type out 4,000 messages? A long time. That is the amount of time that I've put up into just creating this, let alone the tens of millions at Creative Live. Right? You start to, when you start to uncork the sort of either success or the participation or the relationship that the creators that you admire or the folks that are living a life that you aspire to live or that you're inspired by, when you start to, to um, deconstruct the amount of work that's gone in, it can have one of two effects. You can say, I can do that work. Sweet. I'm going to start doing it now, replying to DMs, reaching out to other people, adding comments on their posts or overwhelm. Oh my God. They've been doing that for 10 years. Right now, Lance is saying like, I want to get my next book out there in two weeks. I don't have two years. It's okay. We're all impatient, but this is where the long game of building community comes in. The only thing you can do wrong is not start. All right. That's the closing read. Now, my favorite part is let's call this one-on-one <laughs> in front of th- thousands of people. Um, advice: I want to find a way to add value um, to as many people as I can in a short amount of time. I want to go to Facebook and say, Ali Rice, thank you so much. Under, you know, she's looking for her base camp, looking to create real connections. Um, Harriet loves the statement: "Failures only fail you if you stop." Redonna talks about failure, pushing her to do better. Diana is using me as an example, loving that I personally chase and followed so many paths and none of them have been mistakes. We've learned something from every one of those. And that's true. All right. Who wants to go into some therapy land one on one. How can I add some add some value to the folks on the call here. All right. Henry Travis is in the house. Henry, nice to have you. I don't think we've heard from you yet. Welcome.
5: Uh, Thank you very much for having the show. I am getting a lot of uh, every week. My question was gonna be, as we climb climb that mountain on Mm -hmm. different projects, um, I would say I'm a starter and I'm involved in lots of different projects. Uh, But as we go to the top of the mountain, even after I've had some successes, the challenge for me is when I can't see that, that path. Mm. And so I kind of take the long-term view where I kind of uh, just take the easiest way um, and have had a hard time digging in to really try to make great strides. So my question is just, how do you pick the next hill to climb? You know, do you take the easy rate? Do you just go straight up? Do you how do, you, um, how do you decide the next way to uh, tackle a problem?
0: Uh, I love getting really clear about the problem. And I, I, I confess right now, I don't know if your biggest challenge is where to next invest time to grow your community or if you have some other challenge. So I want to get really precise on your problem. As precise as we can do. As, as precise as we can get, in here as you're willing to get here, so be as specific as you can. What are, where are you right now, and what do you wish you had more, or what was different in your your life?
5: Okay, so I'm working on an app development project uh, for myself personally, and uh, it's been several years. Uh, Let me ask
0: a question, Henry. When yep. you say, so is your audience an audience of one? You want to write an app that just solves problems for Henry.
5: Yes. So I'm solving a problem that I have. And then I think 0.1% of 7 million people have. Okay. And so, um, but I'm building it for myself first. Um, that's,
0: that's a good process. I just want to make sure that yeah. you don't want that to be right. the end audience. So you, you're right. building something because you have a problem, which is, that's one of the reasons I built best camera app because there was no Great right. place to add a take a picture, add a cool filter, and then share it to social media. So I like your right. thesis. This is good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're building a product that you think you, you like, and by extension, lots of other people. Keep going.
5: Okay. And uh, over the years, I've been doing it single handedly uh, in my spare time, okay. and uh, and I've had some successes. I've gotten things that are you know up and running on uh, in development. Um, okay. But obviously the end goal is gonna to be to be on the app store and I'm not there yet. And I've had some technical challenges. And so you know, do I focus on the development piece or do I outsource it, do I focus on? And so I have kind of dabbled in other areas like sketch for logos and icons sure. and things like that. And so I kind of tend to
0: Great. go to I,
5: what I, makes sense.
0: Okay, I, I, that, that's very helpful. That, that little, the, the details that you add around there. So a prototype is worth a thousand meetings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your job is to build a working prototype that you can use to both make sure that it's solving the problem that you've identified and then ask other people if it solves them pro- that, that problem for them. In the meantime, which is very relevant to the thing we're talking right, talking about right now is are you... Cultivating that community of 0.1 of seven billion people. Do you know where those people are? Do you have friends? Can you name them? If you held a party, would anybody show up? If you put out a newsletter, would anybody read it? Because again, you're right now. You're a focus group of one. You have no other inputs. What I would like you to do is have a group of people that you trust that are trying to solve a similar problem that you're trying to solve, or that would be willing to give you feedback on the thing that you're creating in order to solve the problem. This is is the community. Nothing, one, Mm -hmm. develop a working prototype. And until the prototype is working, keep developing the prototype. Right. When you have, in parallel with this, because, Again, a, a prototype's worth a thousand meetings. You can tell people what you're gonna build, but when you show up and you have the thing in your hand, I built this, what do you think? It isn't, right. it, it's, it's exponentially more valuable because a lot of people say, I'm describing this thing and I want it to look like this and be like this. We all have different levels of learning and cognition, our ability to visualize. They might give you feedback on a thing because they don't understand what you're trying to build versus if you actually have the thing in your hand. Do you like this? Does this work? Does this thing, this widget, if I'm, I, Hey, look at my fingers are sore and I can't really, my fingers are too big. I don't know how to play the guitar. I developed this thing called a pick here. Use it. Mm-hmm. And a person who's been playing their guitar the whole life has never seen a pick is like, wow, this is incredibly useful without the pick. If you're just saying, yeah, I got a thing. They might be picturing a hatchet. It's too big. It's It's metal. It's not light enough. It's like develop the thing. And I don't care if you outsource it, I'm not concerned with the tactic that you use. Until you have a working prototype, you're gonna be behind the eight ball, create the working prototype. In parallel, if you had this working prototype today, who mm -hmm. would you give it to? Who would you show it? Who would you be excited about putting it in front of? And if you don't have a long list of people who want to know that you have solved this problem, then you need to start to identify those. This is why I like, let's, I'm gonna make up some stuff right now so that you don't need to, to uh, go too deep. Uh, if you're worried about your, your your product or project, if you're willing, I'm, I'll ask you about it in a second so you can start to think about it while I'm talking if you wanna share it. Let's say you're diabetic and you've developed an app that can read blood sugar through the skin, uh, through your skin using the camera and the iPhone pie in the sky maybe but let's just say you develop that do you have a relationship with the American Diabetes Association do you are you a member of the trade organizations do you show up where people who have diabetes want to get more information do you have a blog where you write about having diabetes and what you do to to put it at bay to manage it to work on cures. This is what I mean by building a community of people because once you have the prototype, then you can set it in front of these people. I don't care if there's 100, 1,000 or 100,000 people who have diabetes or are oriented around solutions for diabetics. If you don't have that, that posse of people that when you have this thing are willing to set it in front of them and for them to give you feedback and say, oh my God, I'm willing to give you $2, $10, $100 or use this thing for free, sign up to your service then when you do put it out and you don't have anyone in your community, you're going to be met with this rejection that Jia Zhang was was mentioning earlier. And it's not because the product's not good. It's a false negative. You've gotten a false negative because maybe the product is amazing. You just don't have any appropriate people to put it in front of. If your mother is not diabetic, you say, mom, do you like my diabetic thing? She's gonna say like, yeah, I guess it's cool. Like being able to set the camera on your skin and get your blood reading, that's interesting. But is she gonna buy it for 12 bucks on the app store? I don't know. The point is that this this is a, another beautiful way of, Henry, of amplifying the challenge that we have. And I wanna thank you for standing up. Do you wanna tell us what it is you're developing or would you rather not? Oh, we lost him. Oh, or you're ma- muted. Henry, yeah. I see you there, there you yeah. go.
1: Good. So uh, not right
5: now, but I would say that I haven't. I was waiting to develop the MVP before I built my audience. But now, ha- after this session today, I really do see the value of um, going past just a handful of people that yep. I've talked to it about, and just try to branch out so that in a couple more years, when I yep. have gotten there, um, that you're right—that I've got more audience to share it with, and they can be excited about it.
0: Yep. Also, Henry, I encourage you to shorten your timeline. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I it do. is a we, personal project. But yes, yeah, sure. Right. It's fine. But that's one of the reasons yeah. we 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 do that is so that we we can wow. take the pressure off ourselves. It's great. But maybe what you need is a little accountability. If you're a starter, yes. what a starter needs is some accountability. Yes, yeah, right? so 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 and you can button get an MVP. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is why I said a prototype right. worth a thousand meetings. Absolutely. All right. Thank, thank you for thank sharing. you very much. Yeah, happy Henry. Good stuff, but thanks for sharing. Um I'm gonna to go to the Facebook group here. Grady he says it's way easier to show the thing than to just share the idea of it. Could not underscore that as much. Again, prototypes worth a thousand meetings. Ali asks from Facebook, if you provide a service and a proof of concept, concept does that equate to a prototype? I liked, um, I like the actual thing because the first step after a proof of concept is a prototype, right? So again, it's actually like you're proving a concept and whether you prove it through data or you prove it through a model or you prove it through a thing that doesn't actually work but that looks like a thing that would work. I think it's still, there's a distance between um, a concept and an MVP, a minimum viable product, which is what what, uh, Henry talked about. Now in product development world there's also a, there's a pyramid of of like functionality the base is like it it does a little bit of what it wanted to do and then you know the middle p- tier is that it's it's good at that and then the tip is that it's polished and that you can see what it would look like in its end result that's like if it's if it's a perfect product. I rather than most people want to create an MVP that just has some of the features and the example is if you are creating a car. A lot of people will make their MVP the tire. And that's the wrong decision to make some, a small version of what it is that you want to work. So Ali, I'm specifically talking to you and I don't know if what, what product you're developing, but you understand how a tire isn't a great, um, small piece of a car because you can't actually sit on a tire. It doesn't have a motor to drive the tire. It is not a good example of a small thing that you can do to highlight what it would be like to own a car or to be able to drive one around and to you know get travel far distances in a short amount of time. Maybe a MVP would be a skateboard or one of the scooters or a motorcycle, because it has a lot of the same characteristics of it. So, when people get hung up on building a prototype, they they think they have to build the whole thing. No, a minimum viable product is, it should be what is the thing that would give people the understanding that they can actually touch and feel and demonstrate uh, of what the the true vision that you have is. So um, you can, in product development, you can look up MVP, look up the MVP triangle and you'll see what I mean. That's a good place to go on the internet. All right, so that was, what was that? Allie, Grady, Kim, thanks for all your comments on Facebook. Let's go back to Zoom. Um, Questions, how can I get you unstuck? Lauren, Lauren, she's got got it there. Well done, Lauren, I'm here and wanna help.
2: Cool, any advice for if your prototype is not a tangible thing? Mm. Like if your prototype's a process, kind of like your idea process, instead Mm -hmm. of it being an actual, you know, tangible.
0: Yeah. Yep. A widget. Um, yeah. And I'd like to then run that process on people and get feedback. Because until the process has some people that have participated in the process, you don't know if it works. Right. I just give you an example. Since you use the idea framework, I deconstructed all of my biggest successes and failures and said, and then I, I walked through what my actual brain was and what steps I actually took. And lo and behold, the things that were successful had all four of these aspects. Mm-hmm. Imagination, design, um, execute, and amplify. And the ones that I where I uh, did not create success were missing something. And it was that's sort of how I arrived at this particular thing. And then I walked through a number of the things that I had created success. Like, okay, that's great. And then I applied that to some things that I was working on at the moment. And ironically, I was constantly running the idea framework on the book while I was writing it. And it was so, so I created a bunch of evidence, experiential evidence and shopped this to some people. People read early copies of the book. I asked them to run this process on their own stuff. And so, yes, the way to do this is to get people using your process. Does this sound like it's something that's doable or are there other hurdles that I'm not aware of, Lauren?
2: It does. I've I've gone through the process with several people. It takes a while. So um, it, it's kind of hard for me to scale it, but I like the idea of thinking about, it is a process that I use for myself and that maybe talking more about how I'm applying it to my own work could be mm-hmm. a helpful way to use myself as kind of a character study or whatever. So that's that's yeah. helpful.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a great way of thinking about it. And I do like having other people run through it. And what I heard is this is a lengthy process.
2: Kind of, now, I mean, I,
0: yeah. Go ahead.
2: Sorry, I mean, as in days, not like years or anything, but it's, sure. it, it takes a minute, yeah.
0: So, I could have made the idea process 38 steps. Mm. I tried to make it four because four was the right number to express all of the different pieces that I needed to express, but there were no extraneous steps in there. So as a mechanism for developing, this is a little bit more in sort of product development land and I'm lending some of my experience developing you know, apps and processes and then books around these processes like we're doing here. I would encourage you to make it as tight as possible. And this is true. It's like a draft. And the thing that you're going to learn when you run someone through a 13 day process, the 13 days is a pretty long time for them to determine whether it works or not, or whether they get value or not. And so you, there's a hurdle between um you know you finding out if it works or not. if no one's willing to do 13 things right if they're only willing to do eight things and i'm making this stuff up on the fly here but i think i'm trying to connect with you on one fundamental thing and it's it's sort of like a rough draft yeah. right the goal of walking somebody through your 13 step process is to reconcile that you might be able to do it in eight that might be some feedback that they give you it's like man you had me until you know, day six. And then I sort of lost interest because I whatever the thing is, that's specifically why you prototype something and get feedback beyond just yourself because that you will help you refine it. And this is the example with the book is if you all had read the first draft that I turned into the publisher, I don't think you'd be here. It's <laughs> frankly, I wouldn't, I don't think you'd show up. Maybe you would, but it got so much better over time. And this is one of the reasons that you cultivate a community. If you don't have people who are willing to give you feedback on the things that are other people who are in the arena, who -hmm. are doing the kind of work that you're doing or are willing to give you this raw feedback, then you're shortchanging yourself. And this is a great example of how you have a 13-step process. Of course, I'm making this up, a 13-day process, and you're trying to imagine having no one to turn to makes it very hard to make that product better, that process better, what it is you're making better. So this is why, you know, go back to Henry. Henry, you can't develop your product and then start to build an audience because then you've got nobody to give you feedback on the product that you build along the way. Now I'm trying to use this stuff as really like simple examples, but you see how easy it is for me to point at having a lack of community as a barrier between where you are and where you wanna be. Right. And this is what, this is like the puzzle piece that I feel like we're just cracking right now. You're two hours and 10 minutes into this thing. It's like, oh shit, they're important in every step of the process. After I identify myself as a creator, everything beyond that, there's a community is a community is valuable, not required. The scale of our ambitions can be all over the map, but having a community makes it easier, better, faster, probably more enjoyable because we're social animals. Thank you, Lauren, for sharing. I appreciate you. Um, yep, shout out, Lauren. Ed, was that a, uh, that was a clap and it was a hand raise, but it was a hand raise like this too? Ed Doherty? All right, I wanna see it.
3: Yeah, um, I, I'm working on a second career. Um, I'm 64 and I've been doing photography. I mean, I shot Eric Hayden's images in the 80 Olympics uh, from the sidelines, of course. Um, and I've been shooting photography for a long time. And I'd like to try to make it into something like a business. Okay. But I keep getting caught up on, well, I'll find a book, the Dummies book to setting up a photography practice or any number of books that are out there that, you know, how to do it. And I just get stuck on the preparation. Uh-huh. I guess I need some idea how to kick me over to the next step or go to the okay. next
0: Sure, sure. Um, this is in an area where I have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> um, so you're in the right place. And the fear of going from hobby to business is a very real fear. And it's laden with pitfalls and a lot of cultural anecdotes about starving artists and what's required in order to create a, a career, a second career. Um, I want you to try and put all that bay at bay for a second and and maybe even just ignore all of that feedback that you may have heard. Or very importantly, the stories that you're telling yourself about what it takes and about what you can do. And this is why I'm gonna advocate action over intellect. Stop thinking about all of the things that you could do and start just taking some blunt actions like signing up for classes on, you typed in how to start a photography business, you're gonna get some results back. Of course, I'm biased. Feel free to edit this as you see fit. But if you subscribed, if you've got a, I think right now they're $150 creator pass, you have access to 2000 classes around starting your own business and helping you pursue your dreams and career hobby and life at Creative Live. And any one of those things is a subset of them, like how to start a digital online business or how to start a photography specific business and maybe it's in portrait photography. You talked about sports. You shot you know, images of Eric Iden at the 80 Olympics. Fantastic. I don't know what you wanna pursue, but if you type in what it is you wanna pursue and photography and or start a business, you're gonna get 10 classes. That is a fantastic way to start. There's a community of 10 million people who are doing roughly the same thing that you're doing. And it is in taking those small steps to educate yourself going from craftsperson to business owner that you will learn the most. And this paralysis, you know, this is very much about the whole process here. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna summarize it in 55 seconds. You've imagined that you can have a career, a second career, as a 60 something year old in photography, and you can make a business on the side and it can be fun and beneficial. You told yourself a bunch of stories about what it could be like. Everything that you envisioned is possible. Thing two. What are the steps that you need to do to to reach that vision. First thing is you need to educate yourself. What are the sources sources of education. I just gave you one where you have there's What is it 15,000 hours of content. I don't want you to watch 15,000 hours. I want you to watch 15 and then maybe another 15 that's that will help you design a series of steps to get there. And then I want you to operate, I want you to execute against that plan that start a business license, get a business license, identify a core customer group, sell one thing to one person that you think might be in that group, evaluate how that went, and then what would you do different? How would you get more people? And start to, you're participating in a community here, you're doing it, but there there are ways that you can um, 10X the amount that you take away from it by going to school, by actually doing the work, and then reflecting on the results that you get after you do something instead of just thinking about it. So Ed, I want to say right on. I know so many people have created a second career for themselves um, that it brings them, you know, some money, some joy, some, Learning and community and support and connection, uh, and I think you're off to a good start by showing up here. So shout out! Let's everybody raise the roof for Ed. Thanks, Ed. Um, Creator Pass. That's a good place to start. Start. Um, try and and just recap some of those steps. Right. Try and sell one thing to one person, one photograph. And if you're like right now, like ah, I don't want to sell. Can be very hard for you to have a business. If you can't sell one photograph that you like to one person in your social circle, then you know that you have to work on selling, right? So that is a, a, a very finite, narrow example that you have to do this work. If you want to have a business, you have to learn to sell photography. And the only way you learn to tell is if you get some at-bats and take some swings and you try and sell it to your you know, nephew's girlfriend and she didn't like it. So like, okay, that didn't work. Um, What didn't work about it? Deconstruct what worked and what didn't, change a few things and try and sell one photograph to one other person in your community. Don't have a community, then you need to build a community. You start to see the whole whole ecosystem come together. I just wanna give you a shout out. I can't wait to have you come back to me in a year and say, got a thriving business. The 150 bucks I invested in Creative Labs Creator Pass was the best 150 bucks I spent all year. If you can't say that, I'll personally write you 150 dollar check. If you can find a better way of investing 150 dollars, let me know. I, I, otherwise, I will personally, I'll do it in cash. I know you're not supposed to put cash in the mail, but I'm happy to mail you cash, Ed. All right, other questions that I might be able to help Gwen from Facebook looking at a great visual tool she's trying to uncover to help lock down the who, what, where, when, goals, etc. Big thank you specifically to you, Ed, from Gwen Kennedy. Juicy Ninja says, I have nothing. How can I make something? Well, uh, if you have nothing, spend $14.99, get a hardback copy of the book and walk through the steps. I bet you'll be further along than you are right now. Other questions, I'm gonna try to rapid fire these a little bit more. A couple have been deep dive case study type stuff today, but um, anyone have a a question that I might be able to help with here as we wind down? I'm gonna take uh, just a couple more. Lammy wants to know, Lammy Tan, as creators, we're faced with so many setbacks along the way and some of these setbacks really eat at our soul. How do you know you're doing the right thing? How do you push through these setbacks quickly and continue on the journey? recapping today's session, make a list of the people who you really care about and who you want to have their favor and connection. And if the people who are criticizing you are not on that list, um, condition yourself to ignore it by continuing to do work in the field. If they're not in their arena, if they're not further along in the process than you are, then you taking advice from them is likely futile um this is a muscle this is a habit the ability to shut out haters or to not get dissuaded from your dreams by people who have given up on theirs the way that you do that is through repetition so there's no way around there's no if there was an easy path or there's a shortcut to doing this everyone would be taking it that's part of both the good news and the hard part of, of this process The hard part is that there aren't any shortcuts. The good part is that that means if you are willing to do the work, the riches, the upside, the benefit, the connection, the recognition that you are a creator and that you cannot just create to have your dreams is within your reach. Liz is on Zoom, dancing to ask a question. Where you at, Liz? Oh, I see Ryan right there. Okay, she's down. Liz, please. Uh oh, what's happening? Can you unmute that, NASA? Yay,
2: There's. thank you. Yay. Good, that was thanks. a very active uh, request. Hi,
4: Chase.
0: I love it. I love it. Sorry, I can only, um, my computer screen is limited to the screen that I'm mirroring over at the Creative Live broadcast, so I don't get to see everybody on the Not Zoom calls. All, We're all well, in
6: the Zoom battle.
0: Welcome, Liz. Share your uh, question.
1: Um, My question is, I'm listening to what
2: you're saying about creating a community, and you're talking about the long, slow grind that it is, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that, and we'll get on it. But I have the field of dreams problem, which is to say, I did build it with the whole, if I build it, they will come. So I have the finished product it's ready to go and I lack the community, which leaves me in this stagnant space that you're describing. So my question is, you've talked about the long, slow grind and we all have to honor that process. Do you have any thoughts on the fast forward version or like the most effective, most quick and- aggressive the, the
0: efficient, quick great, the efficient, great. How much time are you spending every day building community?
2: Minimal right now. This is very much still side gig. So I absolutely Great. the slow version is necessary. Great.
0: No, this is like, I yeah. just want to highlight, right. That's why my first question was not an accident. I just want to highlight that the gap between where you are and where you want to be is directly proportional to the amount of energy that you can put into it. So the, the fast forward tip, if you will, is, you have to apply effort toward building community. So let's mm-hmm. assuming assuming you can create an hour plus every day. I do not know what, can you tell me what, what area of the universe, what what um, industry or whatever, what it is you've created is? Sure, sure. Uh, I
2: make earrings out
6: of recycled gift cards.
0: Awesome, so, I don't need to know more. So fine. there, it, I bet there are, 10 million people on Instagram who are in jewelry design, jewelry making, Etsy, craft sellers, buyers of jewelry, fine or otherwise. My recommendation is if you search that and you search the top hashtags in that Instagram world that you will get a number of accounts. Follow those accounts Every time they leave a comment and I would time box this and have it be work that you do, not just this, Mm -hmm. but I sit down at six in the morning and I, until seven, I actively leave comments on the top 10 or 20 hashtags or trending topics or accounts that are the most um, inspirational to me or the most like what I want to do or have elements of communities that I would like to build and grow and do that every single day for a year. If you put in an hour a day or two hours on, you know, Mondays and then back on a Wednesday, my point is if you have a regimented approach to building community. And by that I mean add value to others. Don't just say like, hey, hands up emoji, like awesome, love what you're doing. And you did that on the top, you know, again, 20, 40 accounts that are in the world, the jewelry design that you're interested in. Or in the Etsy communities that buy and sell this kind of jewelry, that if you did that every day for an hour, you could leave a lot of comments in an hour. Okay. That some of those people will comment back, will go look at your site. And if on your Instagram page I buy bio, I publish, you know, everything I created over the past week, or I publish a new series of my jewelry every month, or I have, you know, here's what I do at this Shopify store, link in bio. If you, if you, this is actively, no, notice you're not saying like, Hey, I'm Liz, come look at my shit. What you're saying is like, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. How did you do that? What wire did you use? What gauge is this? What recycled materials have you used? This is amazing. I love it. You're just participating and saying, gosh, I've tried this. Have you tried looking at if someone else is stuck offering some solutions? And you can do this on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. Universal. Etsy is a fantastic place to spend some time if you're in that world. I would start to understand who my communities are, jewelry designers, who are the consumers of jewelry, who buys and sells jewelry, whether it's, you know, who's the buyer for Nordstrom on recycled jewelry. You can, you can type. Like you can search for these people and then follow them on Instagram. And then when they're posting about ju- buying jewelry, going to the jewelry show in Vegas, or like this is part of how you get your tendrils, your fingers, your, your, your brain, your heart and soul into all these different communities is by being a little detective and by showing up, contributing what you know, leaving positive comments, being the fan that you wish you had to a hundred accounts. There are people who are on this Zoom call right now that I have seen their name in my social feeds for 10 years. And do you think that plays a role in deciding whose questions I'm taking and whose, you know, who whose DM I'm happy to respond to? If I have a thousand DMs and I see a DM from a person who I've been receiving comments on my Instagram from since I, you know, joined Instagram or that were subscribed to my blog 15 years ago absolutely and you're going to be the recipient of that attention that support that community if you're doing the same thing so the way to turbocharge this is to do more of it leave more be more active in being the fan that you wish you had and showing up for lots of different accounts do a little detective work find out who actually buys jewelry that looks like the jewelry that you sell the way the, an analogous an analogous approach is: Who are if you're a photographer? Who are mag? What are magazines that actually put the kind of pictures that I take in their magazines? Who are the companies that hire photographers like me? And then through LinkedIn, you can say name of the company, art director, name of the company, photo buyer. You can find these individual humans who can single-handedly change the course of your business. If they decided to buy a thousand units from you, you'd be swamped. Right, this is why I wouldn't worry about not having enough customers right now. You need to start building your community and you're continuing your practice over here. And it's you're not going to go from zero to a thousand units, but someone's going to say, Okay, cool. I, I buy for Nordstrom, I'm gonna, you know, I'll take 20 units, that'd be great. You know, we saw them as a test in the store that's you know in Manhattan up on Columbus Circle. It's Huge break for you. But you notice that it has to do with finding individual people on a one on one basis, not spamming them and say, hey, come look at my shit. It's about adding value to them over a long period of time. And that period of time, lo and behold, can sometimes be very short. The DMs and Instagram are a great place to familiarize yourself with other people and, and, and aspects of the community that you want to participate in. Does that help, Liz? How many of those things do you think you are doing right now? Many? Some? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry.
1: Um, yeah, I am doing them, but I'm definitely being more sporadic about it. I've mm-hmm. had the sense of the gap between where
2: I am yep. product wise and where I am getting it out to the world
0: wise. Totally. This is why we're, we're over-indexing on Amplify because most people, it's very easy to see that my skills aren't where I need to be. The jewelry quality is not right where I want it to be. I can't afford the kind of gems that I want or I can't afford the time kind of materials or there's a gap there. It's very easy to see the gap in your product because I can look at my photograph and look at the magazine and say, hmm, I need some work. But on community, there's this big gap because we don't know what it took to build the community. That's why I'm telling you that this is, you know you're looking at 20, the fact that there's thousands of people in this class is you know, a, a, a virtually a, an adult lifetime's worth of cultivating that community. And that is the biggest gap between the creators that can create success for themselves and the ones that don't. It's not in the work. It's in the ability to create a fertile you know, supply of uh, humans who care about what it is that you're doing. So do the same thing that you do with your craft with your community. That's why I call it the other fifty percent. Okay, it's allocate the same amount of time and energy in building the community. And by building the community, it's not hey look at me, it's not come look at my website, it's not can I sell you some shit. It's I love what you're doing. Where did you find those materials? I love what you're doing. Can I, you know, are you do you have any online classes that I can take? you, you know, can I show up and volunteer at the event that you're having in New York next week or next month or next year? I'd love to um I'd work the door, do anything I can to to add value to you. Do it that. Runs,
1: it totally yeah. resonates.
0: Good. Thank you for sharing, Liz. Say who else who else was dancing? And I couldn't, yeah, nice job. Let's <laughs> give Liz a shout-out. What? Who else was <laughs> dancing? And because I didn't have my my uh my Zoom screen zoomed out enough. Um Pam is pointing down. There's also some more. Um NASA, I'm going to need you to help me here because my my uh, resolution is limited, and since I'm looking at your computer, I can't. <laughs> lower left, lower left. I can't get to the lower left, people. I love you, but I can't. I can't get down there. Uh, NASA, can you help me?
6: Hey, I'm I'm unmuted.
0: Yay! What's up?
6: Hey, um, yeah, I had a similar question along the same line, so.
0: Great, I, Ryan. Go ahead.
6: I'm a industrial design consultant. So focus in on, uh, industrial design in the outdoor industry. And so have already kind of nailed it down into, you know, the five and companies that I want to work with found those design directors and those people that would hire. And I guess I'm wondering beyond some of like the, uh, the social channels where you interact with those people, um, what are the other levers that you kind of look to pull in terms of like direct messaging them on mm-hmm. you know LinkedIn or just kind of providing value that way or tailoring mm-hmm. your work in a way that you know relates or resonates with you know what they're doing and, and the products that they offer? Um, what would you suggest for that?
0: Awesome. I love the question. Um, I'm gonna uh, approach it in two phases. Phase one is, What I heard you say is, cool, I'm doing these things. And you you sort of said, I'm doing, you know, aside from this, I want to ask how many of the this are you actually doing? Because a lot of people say, yeah, cool, I I get that, but I want to go on this, this is interesting to me. And I'm saying like, it's very hard to skip. If you're not actively connecting one-on-one with these people, following them in DMs, if they don't know who you are and you have not put your work in front of them, do not skip this and collect $200. You have to do this stuff. And I, what I do find, Ryan, is that a lot of people will say, okay, cool, I understand that. But I don't believe the process that you are pitching me here, Jason. I want to go do these other things. And I'm telling you that you can't. This is why I wrote the book, okay? It's because it, it, it matters. And I don't want you to skip. Now, to be fair, there are lots of different ways. There's a, you know, lots of different paths that can get us to, to where we want to go. But I, I, I say this because a lot of people skip the things that make them uncomfortable in order to get to the things that they're either curious about that are shiny or new and they, they, they don't do the work that's required. So I don't know if that's at all you and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna ask you to turn your soul inside out for us and say, yeah, you're right. You caught me in a lie, Chase. I don't think that's the case, Ryan. I think you're, you're mostly aligned with what we're trying to do here. But I will now give you phase two of the answer is I'll tell you a bunch of different things that you can do. I would say following them, commenting on them, on their social channels sustainably for a year. Every post, every post, you're following them close enough. And you can do this in an hour if you're only following like 50 people. Because most people don't post every day. Most people, you know, you get the point. I don't need to go into more detail there. Assuming you're doing that, which I'm doubting you are, but just assuming you are, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt actually, I'm going to say you're doing that. What are some other things? Most of these design directors, I know enough about the outdoor industry to be dangerous. Um, They go to OR and that's where a show where they buy and sell and they connect and meet with other people. This is where they review portfolios of designers and buyers and sellers. And I like to know, I like to find a a way to get into the OR trade show. I like to find a way to show up at um, in real life events where I know these people are. And a lot of times, if you're following them on social, you can say, hey, I'm gonna be at, or I'm speaking on a panel with, or I'm continue to show up in those worlds. So yes, DM, yes, follow them on all of the social channels, yes, comment and add value. And here's a, a, a large one, a missing piece of the equation for so many people. If you actually want to contribute to their, to them, have you tried asking them, or do you know the process by which they hire designers? or that they license product ideas from people. If you do not know that mechanism, it is your job to find out. And an analogous, again, I don't know much about your industry, but an analogous one is, I find out what are the possible ways that National Geographic could hire me as a photographer. They can license a picture I already have, they can send me on assignment, they can fill in the blank any three others. But usually, then you can start to say, okay, well, they're not going to just take a chance on me and then hire me for an assignment, especially if they don't know who I am or if they don't have a relationship with me. So have they seen my work? Have you put your work in front of them such that they are saying, wow, that's badass. And a way to do that is like, hey, I'd love to share with you some of the things I'm making. Um, and certainly, if I'm a nat- I am want to be a National Geogra- Geographic photographer, again, not your industry, on purpose so that you can do your own attribution but if i am, want to be a national geographic photographer i do not send them pictures of cars because they don't publish pictures of cars you'd be surprised at how many people or they'll send a publisher a book like we don't publish nonfiction, dude why are you sending me this you know so it's actually a disrespect to the person that you're trying to solicit because you haven't done the work to understand who they are, what kind of people do they hire? What kind of work do they, and people don't do everything. It, a lot of people like if I, I this is very popular with investment in venture capital. Hey, you're an investor, do you wanna invest in my uh, app for you know retouching your photos? And they're like, uh, do you, have you tracked my investments on Crunchbase? Because if you did, you would know that I only invest in FinTech. And I only do it on B2B, which is financial technology. And I do it with between Chase Bank and the US government. So I don't invest in photo retouching apps. And so like understanding the people who are the players in your industry, doing the sleuthing both, you know, you can pay for this and you can through social networks and channels and friends and friends understand who does these actions at the companies, the five or six companies that you want to work at. What I love that you said, Ryan, is that I know the five or six companies. How far along is that? That's so far along, that's killer. Like that is exactly the kind of focus because each of those companies only has 10 people in that department. Five companies, 10 people, 50 people get on their radar. This is your community. If you have a community and another way, I like to follow who they follow, right? Maybe you don't wanna work for Nike, but you realize that the person who you do follow is always commenting and posting on Nike's product designers page. Follow that person because that tells you what they like. There's a web of connectedness that's possible on the internet that you don't have to get good at overnight. You don't have to turn yourself inside out the fact that you don't know who these people are. This is why I say that the most important work is the work that no one sees. 99% 99% of it, it's like an iceberg though. You don't see the work. And I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what work you're doing right now. If I'm a product designer, I work at OR and ultimately I start to see your name in my feeds all the time. And then you show me a killer backpack or you apply for a job and I've seen you in my DMs all the time over and over. And then when it's my job to review the resumes, I'm like, I know Ryan, I've seen that guy's stuff. You're automatically gonna be 50% further along. And you did a lot of that work without anyone noticing. And then someone noticed, and then a lot of people noticed, and then when it comes time for you to get your product out there, bingo. Now, Ryan, going back to you, what the, of the stuff that I just said, my rant, and I just love the question, man. I think it's so spot on. It's perfect. So helpful. I want to say thank you for sharing it. But what, of I, what I just said is ambiguous or are there gaps that you do not know how to take action as soon as we get off this call?
6: No, I think it was super clear and super actionable. Um, I think it's just applying it and applying that same focus to the social channels, kind of leaving the other uh, kind of noise away mm-hmm. from the social channels and just focus on the signal and just focus on the people that you know are important. I think that you know, I I kind of was thinking about your you know the total. Of, addressable market and the serviceable serviceable addressable market to the target market and really just trying to hone in on the target market as opposed to getting distracted by, you know, everything that's out there and the whole industry. And I think that's that's the same diagram that you have on two twenty eight. It's yeah. like honing in on where that Venn diagram kind of overlaps.
0: Yeah, this is why you know the homework for those folks who are listening and watching right now is to actually do that work because you you find a lot and you're like, "Huh, oh, this is not correct." I'll d- I'll tell you that when I was writing this chapter of the book, I I didn't do this. This is something I realized afterwards that I was doing and when I realized what was effective, I was like, "That's what I want to capture because I don't see that in any other books that I've read." I don't see it. And I'm like, "How did I actually do it?" Hmm. I didn't, I wasn't a part of the photography community for a long time because at the time I characterized them as slow moving and behind the eight ball on technology and unwilling to share their trade secrets and that the photography industry was behind where technology was going. And so I associated them for right or wrong, correct or incorrect. I was like, that's not my priority i need to spend time in the action sports community because if i don't have a relationship there i certainly can't take pictures of the people that i want to take pictures of and i go to the places i wanted to go and so i'm going to postpone my relationship with the photography community and i actually created a business enough business to know or to, to, to sustain me before i could actually turn my attention and say okay so what are the ways that i can add value to the community? And I started doing exactly what I mentioned. I started leaving comments on the bloggers who I appreciated what it is they were doing. I started showing up at trade shows for the photography industry. I started then being asked to be on panels. If I asked a couple smart questions, the producer would come up to me and that was really smart. Would you like to be on a panel for us next year or next week or whatever? So the the pursuit of multiple different communities and actually spending the time to deconstruct where value is or whether it's target market or whatever, you know, terminology you wanna to do to establish your, your Venn diagrams, doing so with intention, with the goal of uncovering how to spend your time and effort and energy is a very, very valuable goal. You know, I go back to Ed's questions like, man, I'm, I wanna start a business, I don't know where to start. Great, put yourself as close to other people who are doing the same thing as, they, as you, as you wanna do as possible. You think, like, we're taught to to fear that because then I'm putting myself around all the competition. Now you're going to learn so much in such a short amount of time from sniffing the trail of the people who are doing what you're doing or want to be doing and those who are creating success and those who are not, um, that there's just an infinity, there's a trove of value there. So shout out to you, Ryan A for, um, showing up here in the question section and, uh, and asking a really valuable and hopefully again, um, getting an answer that you find is actionable, so. Perfect, thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you, I said I was gonna be done by uh, 12 and here we are at 12.45. Um, I'm happy to take one more question because those of you who are like, oh my gosh, the, my omelet's burning or my, you couldn't really have cooked an omelet for two hours and 45 minutes. That's a terrible, terrible example. Um, all right, um, is it Sochi? Sochi, go for it, I'd love to hear from you.
1: Hi. Hi. Uh, yes, you are correct. Very correct. Um, so I, uh, I've been working on a documentary. I actually work in the movie business as an assistant director. So I'm on the management side. That's my day job. And for the last five years, I've been making a documentary.
0: Cool.
1: And uh, I, you might have answered this question just in the last conversation with Ryan. I. I do have a community of people that are supporting me through these days and years and are waiting to see the movie. It's the people that I have worked for, producers and people like that, that I feel might support me in this same journey that oftentimes they, I send them, like I have a trailer, so I've sent them the trailer that's three minutes long and they just never, watch or respond and they almost pat me on my head like good job okay now go back to your other like they don't see me as a creative side because my job is so management heavy Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that means i just have to scrap them and go find other people but i always thought that i could depend on you know reaching out to the people that i know
0: great what you need to do is expand the the circle of people that you know, because largely it's great that those folks are in your circle. And I do think that it's it's certainly counterproductive to say, how come he didn't read my shit, F off. It's not helpful, right? So, but what they will remember when you do create traction, and I believe you will, is they will start to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, she showed me an early version of that. I remember, I remember the first version she shared with me before she shared with other people." These are the same people that are going to come back around um, when you are, you know, uh, up for the Indie Award, the the Spirit Award at the at the uh, the film festival. Okay, so there's no sense in. Um, scratching your head at why you're not getting the response from the people that are in your community who are busy, who are further along in this process than you are, or who might not be taking three minutes out of their schedule to watch your watch your film. I do think it's important to put that in front of them and to show up and to not judge their response. Um, certainly not judge it as their view of you as a human or your character or that you aren't your art. But I do think that that is a block that stops most people from sharing more broadly. And those other directors are not the people that are going to buy and or distribute you film, okay? So who are those people? Who buys films for what studio? Do you participate in that community? Do you know all those buyers? Have you been to all the different film festivals and see um, what, Studios are buying the most indie Docs and how they're distributing them and who does a good job and who does a not-so-good job Can you name them? Are they on a list in your house? like who I want to buy and distribute my film and The three or five people who are in that role at that company go back to Ryan's point earlier He knows the five companies and the ten people that can immediately if they decide to buy his backpack design will change his career as a freelancer. Do you know the same thing? And this is like, I am so grateful for you going out there because your problem is very common. I've shared it with the 10 people who, they don't actually know my dream or if they know it, they don't believe in it or they see me as something else and great. Like I didn't work extra hard to help my parents understand that I was gonna be a world-class photographer. I just went and did it. And it wasn't if I had asked, I mean, and my mom and dad, I know my mom is certainly listening right now. Mom, love you deeply. But I remember telling my dad, like, Dad, hey, I'm trying to sell this photograph for you a thousand bucks. He's like, why don't you just give it to him? Why? You know what? Why? And ironically, it was like, OK, that's good feedback. But I know that if I want encouragement about selling photography, I'm not going to go to my dad. I'm going to go to him for some other things. But not as advice on where to sell my photographs for a thousand (laughs) dollars so who did i find i found other people who could fulfill that role and if the role is you know buying my film or giving me feedback are you a part of filmmaking communities on the internet do you subscribe to film riot do you i don't know there's 50 others that you I think you know I'd invite you to pay attention to do you follow the work of indie directors who have won the last 10 spirit awards and do you follow the people that they follow and do you know the name of the people there so i what i often find here and i think is the case uh, with with your suggest, or with your uh, challenge sochi again thank you for volunteering is get really clear because notice i think you said like yeah i've got a community But is it a community of people who can actually are in a position to write a check for your film? Or are they they other directors or aspiring directors or aspiring doc creators or aspiring writers who are going through the same shit you're going through? And if you can say yes to those questions, the answers to those questions, then, or sorry, if the answer to those questions is yes, then just do more of that because that's where you're gonna break through. That's how you understand who's doing what and who's buying what. How, how can you show up on their radar? Because they're the ones who need to see your trailer, right? And if you're worried that it's not in a good enough position to show someone who actually might be in a position to buy it, this is like if you're a photographer and you're like, if I showed this person at Nike my portfolio and I don't think they would hire me, maybe I want to work on my portfolio a little bit more. And so who is developing portfolios? Google photography portfolio development workshop. Go to Creative Live. Like there's a community of people who are trying to develop their trailer. There's a community of people who are trying to get their indie film marketed. And I think investigating, sleuthing, working really hard to identify those communities. Remember, was I was talking to Ryan, who are the communities specifically that can help me achieve my dreams? Once you've identified them and gone deep with them, if you get stuck there, come back to this forum, and I will be happy to answer your next. Flight of questions, but my my belief is that there's some work to be done to identify these people and get in with them, and that's a great next step for you. I I like, I just had this vision of seeing your film. Like I'm gonna see your film at some point, so help me see your film by <laughs> getting the trailer dialed and finding distribution and finding someone to buy it because that's the best way for me to see it, right, on the big screen. Congratulations, Sochi. Thank you. Um, I said a couple more. This is my last one, NASA, and I know we're, we're extra long here. So, anyone else, or have I exhausted them? All right. Yev, what's happening? I remember, uh, I think I, it, it's Yev, right? All right.
4: Yeah, I'm Yev, or Yevany.
0: Yevany. Yeah, talk um, to
4: me. Yeah, so basically, asking the question is, It's a part of the question, and it's the whole thing of fear, Mm -hmm. Um, of fear of sharing in social media, (laughs) of just getting over that hump, because I think that I don't think I have enough um, experience, and so putting my stuff out there, I'm like, am I going to run out of things to say or share, or, you know, just dealing with... um, I mean, I guess that's really the basis of it, just getting over the fear Mm
0: -hmm. of it and
4: just having enough because you feel like you're such a beginner. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I really want to share and build community that way as well, you know?
0: Cool. Well, let's do a little experiment. Anybody here afraid to do something that is standing in their way between where they are and where they want to be? Anyone, show hands. (laughs) Yeah, if you're not alone. (laughs) Okay, that's the purpose of that experiment right there is to say that everybody has those fears and based on your, you know, your history, your personality, so many aspects, fear can be bigger or smaller or you know, create more anxiety or less or all those things can be true and I can still tell you truthfully that the only way that you're going to get through that fear is by taking that action. And what I like to do is do it in a low weight way. Right. What's the way that you can you can test that fear in a small environment and get a little bit stronger and learn to trust yourself a little bit more. How can I share it with my, you know, my group of friends and then go from my text thread to my Instagram and then from my Instagram to my email list and my email list to a class that I'm hosting. You know, it's it's basically there's a a set of small imperfect steps that you're going to need to take in order to develop the muscle of sharing and getting feedback that. Right now we're also, we don't want people to know how much we don't know. I stopped caring about being a Photoshop expert when I realized that that's just not an area where I wanna go super deep. And so I started hiring people and making them full-time on my staff in order to do that work. And so it was, there was a a time there again, I mentioned earlier in this call joining the photography industry and where people would talk about Photoshop. And I'm just like, yeah, you know i've chosen to hire that I can describe what I want and I don't want I want to double down on the things my strengths rather than try and Be in a, a slightly above average photoshop expert Regardless of you know, whatever industry you are trying you're you're you know for everyone who's watching and listening The point is the same is getting comfortable being uncomfortable And the only way you get comfortable with public speaking is to do more of it the best way to start out is something small like toastmasters sit in a room with 10 people who are giving speeches and don't give a speech at first but watch what someone does who gives a speech in front of 10 people and at the end of that speech whether it was two minutes or 10 minutes and regardless of how it went for that person everybody claps because you're all in this together and you're in a small environment where you can minimize your risk your exposure your fear into a manageable. Step. Notice I'm not suggesting that you go get on stage at the Barclays Center and you know give a huge talk about what it is that you're not an expert at. Right. That's not the prescription. So I'm trying to suggest, you know, anecdotally and actually, that finding a way to get start to get comfortable being uncomfortable in small ways that don't matter is a very, very valuable exercise for anyone who's facing anything like Yeb is facing. And specifically for you, yeah. So now I want to open up one more sort of layer of our connection. Here is—is is any of that unclear, or are there some very specific marching orders that you're asking for today? Yes. Hello. Hello. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> no, said,
4: no, no, It, it sounds clear. Um, you said to start small, um, mm-hmm. so it could be, you know, some friends, and even like a friend's of friends. Mm -hmm. small group and I could share some things with them and maybe even ask for feedback just to get feedback. It doesn't have to be like, you know, judgment, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like, what was that? You know, how did you think about, what did you think about that? And then go from there and then just start building.
0: Yeah. And the building part is where it sometimes gets scary, but know that the jump from that text thread to the private group on Facebook is there's probably going to be some anxiety around that. And mm-hmm. the, the way to break through that anxiety is to take a small, low-consequence step. And it's not about thinking your way through it. It's about hitting publish, right? Hitting share, sending it. And if these people aren't, aren't, aren't on your shortlist, your Brene Brown shortlist, and they give you feedback that's unpleasant or they're not further along in, in your journey than you are, or their journey than you are on yours, then, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. But what you're really trying to do, and as I really, I I suggest you check out Jia Jiang, again, J-I-A-J-A-N-G, just to realize the length that this guy went through to get conditioned that rejection was okay. And it was, it really wasn't a no, it was a not yet. So um, remind me what area of work you're trying to develop your product or
2: food
0: food. oh that's right that's right i remember yeah yeah yeah. cool well i'm telling you if you if you invite a handful of friends over and you say i don't know what i'm doing yet but i want to start cooking for people i'm not quite sure if it's a cafe if it's a food cart, if i want to be a chef at a restaurant like i don't know but i would love to make you my fill in the blank yeah i believe that that's a great small way to start to get used to getting feedback on the thing that you love have a dinner party. And at first it's two friends that love you deeply and they're going to say, this is awesome or shit, you burned the thing or whatever. And then, you know, you you take that with a little bit of feedback and then say, cool, I'm going to start doing this every Sunday. And, you know, maybe some Sundays there's 10 people, some Sundays there's two people, God forbid, maybe there's even a Sunday where no one can show up. And then I would encourage you to continue to try and expand your footprint cooking clubs in Seattle. Um, You know just like literally there are communities for everything and it's in doing this in small lightweight ways cooking for your friends on Sunday that you ultimately start to carve out your path to be a mission-starred chef or to be a cafe owner or to be a Fill in the blank whatever you have imagined in the previous chapter that you want to do You down with that we good? Yeah Thank you. you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right y'all. Um, my uh, batteries are low on my zoom recorder that was making me sound like a uh was it a chipmunk earlier i want to say thank you for dealing with the technical issues we at creative lobby pride ourselves on not having too many technical issues so i will own this one this is a um i got a new piece of hardware in my mix right there and i hadn't unboxed it because i thought it was the same piece of hardware that i always use and then gasp it was slightly different So I will apologize for the technical difficulties. It won't be a part of the final recording that is um, saved for this class. So rest assured, you will get a good experience. Um, I value deeply this community. I value your commitment for showing up and for being an advocate for the book. Um, Again, I I read all the reviews and if you're trying to find a way to get on my radar or other people who are like-minded, that's a great way. It it does create value for me and I want to say thanks for those who have left a review. If you haven't, it would still mean the world to me. My publisher has let me know this is a a great way to continue to get um, the word out there um, to elevate my ranking in the search return results. I love this community and I know how hard it is what you're working on and I know you've told yourself a lot of stories and I only know that because I told myself a lot of stories along the way and those stories um, don't entirely ever go away they just change and we want to make this change for the better this is a process and um whether progress comes in leaps and bounds or small painful steps or whether it's two steps forward one step back um a lot of those things are true what's not true is that um, that the people who you respect and admire and appreciate haven't worked really, really hard to create a lot of the success that they've done for themselves, that, that that they have made for themselves and that that is available to you as well. That's the cool thing is there's a creator in all of us and it's through creating in small regular ways, developing the muscle and the habit of creativity that you not only make incremental progress towards your individual goal, but as a consistent reminder of your ability to create and live the life that you want. And I'm living proof of that. I've got, as you know, 12, like a dozen or more years off track, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. And so wherever you are right now, there's a gap for all of us in anything that we haven't mastered between where we are and where we wanna be. And the fact that you're shown up here, I want you to pat yourself on the back. I want you to watch this a couple more times and know that whether you're in the Zoom call here and, and there's uh, hundreds of chats uh, communicating there um, or not, if you're just consuming this passively on your couch, the fact that you're here means a lot. It means a lot to me and I know it means a lot to your future, so thank you so much. Um, I see uh, lots of um, faces and waves and I just wanna say I'm, I'm grateful. Remember, no class next uh, Saturday. That's the 4th of July in the United States. I will be at our beach place uh, in cold water shooting off fireworks and generally being um, disconnected. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unplug from technology next weekend and enjoy the, the celebration, um, but we'll be back the following Saturday. I'm, I am considering trying to um, have there be a disproportionate amount of Q&A and I'm trying to create a little structure for that Q&A since it's going to be our sixth and final week. I'm understanding that there may be a lot of questions. So I'm gonna try and make the content a little bit tighter. Thanks again for dealing with the technical stuff and I hope you have an amazing weekend. Signing off. Ciao everybody, thank you so much. Have a great weekend and I'm out. Hey, that was an awesome episode, but before you bounce, just, I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you, so much juice, that when I hit publish, and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people, just like you, consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's Podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. and that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feed tagging me and the guest. Now I repost this content and your comments all the time. So I would love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Um, not only do these shout outs uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks I'm just at Chase Jarvis you can use at Creative Live as well and the guests are easy to track down because they are well they're usually quite well known people Um, but again thank you so much for listening I'm looking forward to being in your ears again hopefully tomorrow